doing that thing again where I only hear in one ear, but then I touch it, and it, that's a weird bit. We should um, we should look into that. Good morning, it's Glenn Clark Radio, and if that's the case, then I'm probably Glenn Clark, and he might as well be Griffin Bass. We got a show for you. Um, didn't plan it this way, and if I had known, if I had done the math in my head, it's on me. But for whatever reason, the second hour were kind of loaded with Maryland football, and that that's a mistake. I apologize for that. We should have spread things out, but it's what it is. It's when things are available, and so uh, we're going to do a little Maryland football preview in the second hour of today's show. Howard Griffith from Big Ten Network is going to join us. Uh, Dante Trader, Maryland safety, and a really interesting story. He's from Delaware, but he ended up at McDonough, and he went to Maryland because he was going to play both football and lacrosse. Ultimately decided to just go with football. We're going to talk to him about all of that. It's a really interesting, uh, unique story. Also today, Evan Washburn. Um, of course, you know him from CBS, but also he is part of the Ravens preseason broadcast team. He's going to check in with us, and uh, Drew Forrester joins us as he does every Wednesday. So a lot going on here on a Wednesday edition of the program. It's also Would You Rather Wednesday. The scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for you to find them. Get involved. Once again, we'll be giving away a $25 gift card to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. So make sure you get uh, your responses in. You participate with Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It's always the best place to be for all of the big events, including UFC 278 on Saturday night, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards in the main event. You don't want to pay for the fight because it costs about $6 billion any longer. Instead, watch the fights for free, win money betting on the fights. Come out on top. When you hang out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, 61 self-service kiosks, so plenty of opportunities for you to get your bets in and be a big winner. You want to reserve your spot for Saturday night, email events at sportssocialmd.com. Orioles win. They're back within a half game. Unfortunately, all of the teams around them, besides the team they're playing against, they're all winning, which is kind of a bummer. It would be nice if you could maybe get some ground there, but uh, so it is. Um, they beat the Blue Jays again last night, and this one, this one in a weird way, felt like a bigger win because it felt like a night where they were just kind of lifeless. Like they, for the first four innings of the game, just looked utterly lifeless. It took them a while to get a hit again. Rugnet Odor breaking that up. It just seemed like a night where they kind of didn't have it, and Alec Manoa, who's a really great pitcher, was on his game. And it wasn't meant to be. And then suddenly Cedric Mullins changes everything. Adley Rutschman right behind him. The Orioles grind out a win. The bigger story being Dean Kramer, who after you know the first two batters of the game, it looked like it was going to be the worst start of Dean Kramer's career. As it turns out, it ended up being by far the best start of Dean Kramer's career. Seven impressive innings. Yes, he got some defensive help as it went along. Uh, Adley Rutschman gunning down a runner at second base. Um, it was a weird night where there was actually some shaky defense involved, but also some excellent defense. Ryan McKenna continues to be a thing, much to everyone's surprise. These are the Orioles. You just truly do not know. You truly do not know who's going to carry them to their next victory. Last night it was Dean Kramer. 
like we all assumed, and as a few people joked, because now the Orioles are winning the Manny Machado trade. All these years later, maybe Dean Kramer wins the trade for them. So um, a lovely evening, as it turns out, at the ballpark in Toronto. Orioles have, have now won four straight against the Blue Jays, and I don't know how to explain it. It wasn't even the Ryan Mountcastle show last night. Yeah. It was it was Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer mowing down the Blue Jays after the first two batters that he faced where he was getting his butt kicked. So um, go figure. Go figure. Orioles will wrap up the series this afternoon. Austin Voth is on the mound. It is a matinee. Three o'clock. It's matinees the next couple of days. So they play the matinee today, Austin Voth and Ross Stripling this afternoon, and then they come home starting tomorrow when they play a makeup game against the Cubs tomorrow afternoon. So kind of a weird, much like the scenario where they had to go to Boston, bit of an odd situation as they'll come home to play one against Chicago, and then they'll move on. I, I, I don't. I really don't know what else there is to say. Remarkable, and the Orioles are within a half game, but it's the Blue Jays who, beginning the week, were in the first wild card spot, who are now in the third wild card spot. The Orioles are a half game behind them, but again, the teams that were on their heels continue to be right on their heels. There are six teams in a true battle for three wild card spots. The Orioles right now sit just a half game outside the third. All right, uh, let's talk some Ravens. Let's uh, welcome back a friend of the program, international sideline sex symbol. Of course, you know him from CBS, but you also know him from the Ravens broadcast crew. He is our buddy Evan Washburn, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Glenn. Good to be with you, man. It's, it's been a while. It's been too long. It's good to it's good to hear your voice. <laughs> As you know, I prefer seeing your face, but it's good to hear your voice, my friend. Um, first of all, are you going? How does this work with the the game only being uh, on radio on Sunday night? Are you going out to Arizona? No, no. So this is one of those years where we only have two games because the national uh, guys picked up the the game on Sunday. So. Yeah, we had obviously last Thursday, and then we'll wrap up our coverage Saturday um, against the Commanders. All right, I'm trying to get used to saying yeah, it's going to take years. I mean, I just gotten used to Washington <laughs> football team, so it's going to take a while. Right. Um, <laughs> let, let's start with what you saw on Thursday night. Give me something that to you, Evan, stood out as something we all get. You know how I feel about the preseason. We've been through this rigmarole, but. Tell me something that you saw that you said, you know what, man, I actually think that this is something that is worth filing away from watching that game on Thursday night. Well, I think it has to be the the draft picks, the top picks. I mean, they, they feel like they got three first-rounders, and I think, you know, Kyle Hamilton wasn't perfect in that game, but he played well. He got his hands on a football, and, and that means something. I mean, it, it's if you're going to invest that type of draft capital into a player in his first live action against another team, he recovers a fumble. That means he's in the right places and he knows, I mean, what he's supposed to be doing. He missed a couple tackles, but that's to be expected when you're not really doing any tackling for the first, whatever it's been month of training camp. And then, you know, you know, Travis Jones up front played mm-hmm. well. And I think they feel like they got something there. And some of the young guys across the offensive line provide depth, obviously not having, um, Linderbaum is, is concerning, but I think that's probably the headline in a game where nobody of, of real, 
uh, magnitude, I would say, or you know, key starters or uh, difference makers uh, as we sit here right now playing the game. So you know what everybody else was freaking out about, of course, was Shamar Bridges um, was the guy that everybody wanted to talk about after the game. I'm in a weird place where... Uh, yeah. I, Evan, like I'm not trying to purposefully, you know, put something down because I look. I think I think there's a real path for Shamar Bridges to make this football team, but I think that also says a lot about the lack of depth at the position. I, I guess I just always come away with saying, hey, we've been excited about a lot of guys like Shamar Bridges over the years. There were. Aaron Millettes of the world and Tommy Streeters and guys that <laughs> were big and made really impressive plays in training camp and the preseason. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know how to have this conversation other than to say maybe I want to slow down a little bit on getting too hyped about Shamar Bridges. I mean, it's the prudent thing to do. I mean, but it does fill a, an obvious need, not just to add depth to a position that seems thin in terms of experience, but body type. I mean, you have so many of uh, the receivers that looks like they're going to count on this season are either a bit slighter or just smaller in general. And I think to have a player with his size and if he can continue to make plays like he made in that game against Tennessee, then that's a real value, especially in the red zone. Um, but look, you're going to have Mark Andrews and, and the tight ends, I think Isaiah likely showed that he's going to be a big part of it and just backed up what we heard talking to coaches about, you know, maybe even filling that Hayden Hurst role that, that he had so they can go more three tight ends this year. So, look, I, I think it's one of those where you go, awesome, this could be a great story. Let's, you know, exercise a little bit of patience. Right. If he can back it up Sunday against uh, the Cardinals and then the following Saturday against the Commanders, then – Maybe he makes his way on this team, and he's something something uh, that this team can look to maybe count on when the games really matter. Evan, that to me is the story, right? Like, I, it's it's a great story if Shamar Bridges could just crack a roster, like prove that he could help out a little bit special teams-wise, you know, do those things. I just think that, unfortunately, the goals and that we move the goalposts a little bit sometimes and expect someone to be like a contributor immediately, which I'm not in no ways what I ever say is impossible. Believe it or not, I can't see the future. You know, I if I, if I could, I'd probably play the lottery more frequently. Um, yeah. I, I just... I, I think we need to be realistic about the goals. I think there really is. I think he's shown enough to say this guy's got a legit chance at making the roster, and that's in incredible for someone in his situation. But to think that he's going to be a solution or solve the problem, I, you know, it just comes off not reasonable in how we look at a player. Well, and I wonder just how many times he's in 11 on 11, even though they're not really doing much of that at this version of Ravens camp or 7 on 7, that he's call passes from Lamar. Right. Right. Week one, it's about who does Lamar trust? Who does Greg Roman trust? And it's going to be the knowns. It's going to be Mark Andrews. It's going to be Rashad Bateman. Isaiah likely in short order has already put himself in that conversation. When you listen to Lamar talk about him, you listen to Greg talk about him. Uh, So that that's real. But for Shamar Bridges, it's uh, a matter of just make the team and then, and then figure it out from there. And, And look to your point about just the way his career could go or, or whatever this is the start of, you know, based off of one preseason game. The reality is, is that the Ravens do have a incredible history and I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think it's to boil it down. They have the most players drafted or undrafted signees in the NFL more than any other team. So mm-hmm. he's going to find his way probably onto another roster. If it's not the Ravens, just because that's how good this front office is at identifying 
unknown talent uh, because if they don't play for Baltimore, they end up playing for somebody else. Evan Washburn with us here on GCR. Evan, um, you know, we did see, obviously, the, how thin they are at the position, right? They're dealing with a couple of injuries and Tylon Wallace banged up and – you know, they had four guys to begin with outside of whatever undrafted free agents they have. Do, do you get the sense that they could be monitoring, you know, who does end up getting cut somewhere else? If Darius Slayton, for example, somebody like that were on the market, a Curtis Samuel uh, in Washington, do, do you get the feeling that as much as they like their guys or as much as they say, hey, this is what we're doing, that at some point the sheer numbers game – they're going to have to consider what else might be out there. I don't, but I don't think that means they're not. I mean, it's their job to monitor. And if it's a player that they feel like can come in and contribute and the cost makes sense and, and that's always a big part of it and it's an, a value add, then absolutely they're going to do it. But I, I think people seem to get so bogged down in looking at the depth chart and looking at the wide receiver group and continue to not factor in that Mark Andrews is a wide receiver. Just, you know, call him that. He happens to be able to block and play on the line. Isaiah Likely, he's a pass catcher. I mean, this is a real. You have a all-pro pass catcher, uh, what appears to be uh, a, a talented young pass catcher, and then you have Rashad Bateman. So as I look at it, if you group those three, I'll take those three against top three pass catchers for a lot of teams in the NFL. So think about it that way and don't think about it like, well, they're going to need um, Duvernay to be a two or a Prochet to be a legit two because those guys are going to play and I think they trust them and count on them and think they're poised to, to make a big difference. But that I look at it like, who are your top three pass catchers? It's Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, maybe likely, um, maybe somebody else slides in there. And that that's, something um i think you can feel pretty good about I'm, if it if you need a vet down the road then okay but i wouldn't you know worry about it right now and think oh god i hope somebody good gets cut so we can have them um against the jets i i hear the argument i do and i by the way i'm not going to slow down the isaiah likely hype train either in particular i i, I, I th- wouldn't I mean, yeah, wouldn't do that he, he looks special um I guess it becomes like what happens when you have two guys go. You know, like to me, it's just the it's the depth, right? Like you're Kohler's hurt right now. Then you have two receivers get hurt. That even when you say, "Hey, we like the top three guys," you, you, the combined group you're talking about four or five guys at that point between everybody. It just I think that's the part that's concerning to me is that this is a 17 game NFL season. You're going to deal with that. Like, you're going to have guys get hurt. The, the sheer numbers, to me, are the part that I think I would be more concerned about. But those are two separate things. You're talking numbers. You're talking bringing in a, a proven vet that can be, you know, a difference maker for this team, as a Slayton might be or a Samuel might be. If you're asking me, do they need to add numbers, then, yeah, of course. I think they would do that. If those injuries prove to be something where it's going to keep them out and unavailable through the end of training camp and, and could trickle into the regular season. Yeah. They're going to make sure that numbers add up so that they're, um, you know, not put in a position to maybe have to sign street free agents week three. But if you're, but so I look at it as two separate things okay. that, or do you need, are we in such a desperate position that we need to make sure, you know, hope that somebody right. that's proven to be a decent wide receiver gets cut. That I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend too much time at this point 
in that world. I get that. I get that. Evan, what is to, to you the biggest concern? As far as this team's, you know, obviously the biggest concern is health, right? Because we saw what happened a year ago. And, you know, if they go through that again, it's almost impossible to, to overcome something like that. But it was extraordinarily bad luck a year ago. There's no reason for us to think it's going to be something like that. So presuming they stay reasonably healthy, what are your biggest concerns about this team in the context of trying to get back to the pursuit of winning a Super Bowl? Well, it's really a continuation of last year because, yeah, if last year happens or a version of that happens again, it's a moot point. This the, the season is a disappointment, and you know they're finding themselves back where they were at the end of this year. But there are so many players coming off serious injury that, and they're not taking part. I know they're starting to trickle in. J.K. is now uh, off PUP. Marcus Peters makes a return in pads this week. Those are all positive signs, and they've spent so much time, energy, I'm sure money as well to, to try and revamp their, their approach to training camp, to training, to try and limit these injuries. But I'm looking at it like guys coming off serious injuries. What do they look like week one? What do they look like week two? Because they aren't really getting much action. And then there's this idea that, okay, we'll ramp them up in the two weeks, three weeks leading up to week one against the jets. And then they go out there as someone who's been around this long enough and also experienced some of these injuries, obviously not to the level of athletes these guys are, you're just not right off ACLs if you haven't for really, you know, sometimes up to a year. So I guess my concern would be these are key players. Marcus Peters is their, yeah. one of their top corners. J.K. Dobbins, no Gus Edwards for a while, it feels like. These are key players that you want to be at their best in those first four games. So the AFC is just going to be such a gauntlet that if your best players aren't at their best because they're coming off serious injuries in the first four games of the season and you find yourself behind the eight ball, now the schedule at least at the moment seems to line up nicely for them for those guys to maybe ramp up. But, Glenn, that's my, that would be my concern if I I'm a that. fan. It's like, right. are, are our best players at their best when this thing gets going? Because as much as there's a positive energy about recovery and, and what these guys have been able to do in terms of rehab until you see it until they're out there doing what they did before the injury. It's all somewhat of a guessing game. So you can't start a season with what the AFC looks like right now at, uh, you know, two and three, in my opinion, or two and no, four, I get it, or, right. you know, for, for, you know, one and three in the first four. I mean, you got to get out and get going because, you got a whole AFC West that's going to be what they're going to be. You got the Bills and you know maybe an improved Dolphins team and the Bengals to me are for real. It's just it's such a it's such a hard road in this conference that you need all of your guys ready to roll week 1 and until we see that with as many players coming off injuries, the Ronnie Stanley Ties Bowser's like that to me is the concern. I think that, that by, when you say Ronnie Stanley's name, and I think they're in a much better position this year than they were a year ago to overcome it. But still, like I, I can't help it. Like we're sitting here, we're a couple weeks away from the start of the season, and we still have no clue about Ronnie Stanley, and that I can't help but be concerned about it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how anybody couldn't. Uh, what's the what is the worst injury you suffered during your playing career, Evan? What what uh, what 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 was the one? So I tore both ACLs. So I tore my right ACL as a sophomore and then got a staph infection in it. And so that Jesus. was a pretty legit deal. And then 
senior day of my fifth year tore the left ACL. So I've been through two ACL surgeries and recoveries, and I just, again, never would compare myself to a Marcus Peters, but enough NFL and NBA players have put words to the idea that you are running and you're back doing everything you're supposed to do. It may be five to six months, seven months, but they're just the trust and the belief and the strength and the, it, it takes, so it takes a while. And I can't imagine at that position where it's all change of direction. That's great so point. that's kind of, it's always, it always frames my view of when they're like, Oh yeah, no, they're coming back. They're right. great. Right. They have, they're better than ever. That's like, straight. That leg's actually stronger than it was yeah, before. Sure like, right. Yeah. The muscle might be bigger, but there's a lot more to it. Um, all right. He'll be working uh, Ravens commanders next weekend. And then I saw it's uh it's Pittsburgh, Cincinnati week one for you, right? It's, yeah, man. No, we we got a we got a great slate. Um, that I mean, look, that's the awesome thing this year. You know, if you're working uh, games, is especially if you're sort of AFC centric as CBS is, even though the rules have changed a little bit in terms of cross flex. But there's just there's no bad game. No doubt, it's, it's like, loaded. <laughs> loaded. The, the, the fourth the fourth game on sort of the priority list as a you know whether it be network or fan or announcer is like an A game a year ago uh, or two years ago. So uh, yeah, it's. I can't wait for this thing to get rolling. At Evan Washburn on Twitter, uh, can we plug anything else for you? Anything CBS Sports Network? Anything else I can get a plug in uh, for? So I'm actually in New York right now. I'm filling in uh, for Adam Shine on his show, Time to Shine. Nice. Doing that with uh, Gary Parrish, college basketball insider extraordinaire and just a uh, talented dude. And yeah, man, having some fun up here in the city. And uh, then uh, we'll get rolling, uh, as you mentioned, with the. Ravens game, and then actually we're doing a CBS national game um, for the preseason Steelers-Lions, so I get to see the Hard Knocks action and Dan Campbell uh, vibe in, in real person. And everybody so for that. belting out Billy Jean halfway through the game, something like that. That would be wonderful. Uh, <laughs> sounds good to me. Always appreciate you, my friend. Uh, you, uh, you, you, Thanks, you're yeah. far too kind to us. Thank you, as always, and look no forward worries. to talking soon. All right? Evan, yeah, man. Be well. Evan Washburn joining us here on GCR. Um, it's interesting stuff. I don't know if everybody knows. Evan was a very high-level uh, college lacrosse player, and so when he talks about his own injuries and and what he's, why he has that amount of apprehension, I I I put some stock in that. Like you know, he Evan didn't Evan played you know football at a high level, but he played he was a very good college lacrosse player, and so like when he talks about those injuries and like hey, you can tell me that all's good. And that you're, you know, you're coming back stronger, or whatever it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I think there's value in that coming from somebody like him, coming from a very high level athlete. I mean, a really, really high level athlete like Evan was. All right. Um, I, I, I have. I want to get. Let's just go ahead. We're going to give you the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios now. They're up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. I want you to respond to them, and I'm disappointed again by the, the lack of quickness. It seems like later in the day, everybody starts getting in, but I would like for that to start coming a bit earlier because we like talking about it on the show. Something that we like to do. Um, Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. I have four scenarios, but one of them admittedly includes a small spoiler, so we'll get to that, all right? Number one, would you rather the Ravens, or sorry, the Ravens, the Orioles say they're spending money this offseason. Let's go. Would you rather it specifically be on starting pitching or 
actually, the offense is still in the bottom half of baseball. I'd like for them to go crazy and be in on Trey Turner. Number two, would you rather? We're just talking about this with Evan. The Ravens, indeed, look around, maybe pick off a Darius Slayton type for a seventh-round pick or swapping a sixth for a seventh or whatever it would be for a player that was in danger of being cut or nah the hell with it, just stick with what you have in the undrafted free agents. Number three, would you rather... You're missing out on the Little League Classic this Sunday, but good news, you've been promised that you can be there for the next theme game the Orioles are a part of. Would you rather it be the next time they do the Field of Dreams game or a hypothetical first time, I alluded to this possibility, Sandlot game out in Utah? And a bonus number four. And if you don't want a Better Call Saul spoiler, come back to us in 20 seconds. Would you rather? They've lied all along, and they're going to continue the Breaking Bad universe. They do it by going back to Jesse and catching up with what Jesse's up to, or they do it based around Kim, and they revisit now what her life looks like with her complicated relationship with Jimmy in prison. Those are the four scenarios for Would You Rather Wednesday. Get your responses in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Again, somebody is going to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill just for participating in Would You Rather Wednesday today. All right. Um, if you missed it on Monday night, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up with Ken Guthrie. He is the scout that was most responsible for uh, scouting and helping the Orioles make their decision to take Jackson Holiday number one overall. Coming up tomorrow on Facebook Live, Stan and Gary Stein will be joined by Maryland football coach Mike Loxley. So if you missed that for Monday, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. And if you want to watch that tomorrow, Mike Loxley joins Stan and Gary Stein to preview Maryland football season. You'll be able to check that out, facebook.com slash pressboxsports at 4 p.m. When we come back in, Drew Forrester, drewsmorningdish.com. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports, or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. If you missed Simply the Bets yesterday, you can find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, or you can find it at youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and a Hotel. And, of course, tomorrow morning, Weekend at Bookies returns at 1140 a.m. as we attempt to get you ready for a weekend of betting. That's what's going on. All right. Get you me your responses. Would you rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. It is Wednesday, and so for better or worse, we bring in our guy, Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com, Fairways and Greens on 105.7 The Fan. Hey, did they call you in for this big meeting this week? No, they. I was away. You were uh, away. Tiger called, Tiger called me care. and said, Hey, can you come to Delaware? I said, I'm up in West Virginia playing golf. Yeah, If you guys don't want to come to West Virginia, I'll meet with you. Right. Just put your two cents in. Um, uh, Patrick Reed seems like a really swell fella, huh? Yeah. You know, I was just saying to my buddy Dale Williams that I'm with, like, how much of a classy guy he is. 
just a just a real swell dude. I mean, like I can't believe, and I don't know a lot about Patrick Reed, right? Because I, you know, I don't follow it the way you do, but I know enough to know he's kind of a douchebag. Right, and, and here's the funny part: like he's offended that they called him a cheater. It would be like them calling, it would be like the son of Sam saying, "You don't call me a murderer." <laughs> How dare you? Yes, because like, to your point, we know the guy legitimately cheated. Like that's not a. It's, I, I, it's not. It's not like there's right, gray area like, there. Like four times. Right. Right. Um. The, these are are these who's losing it more? Are, are the are is this is the sign of this meeting and maybe like panic on the PGA side losing it, or is the other side losing it because they're realizing like, oh crap, we can't just force our way back into this. They are insulating. They want in court. Like, we really are going to get screwed, and all we're going to have is, you know, insane riches to show for it. Well, I mean, I would say 100% it's that the tour is doubling down, and Monaghan knows if I get Tiger on my side, I have such a win there. Number one, I got Tiger on my side, which means he isn't going over there, and Tiger wouldn't go over there anyway because – he doesn't even play golf anymore. Right. So Monaghan knows, hey, I got Tiger on my side, which means he's not going to live. I got that going for me. Number two is, if there are players in the locker room who, for whatever weird reason, don't respect me, even though some of these guys are going to be getting you know twenty one grand a month for the rest of their life with their pension, if they don't respect me, they're going to respect him. So, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I'll let Tiger run the meeting, air quotes, and I don't even have to be there. I don't, I don't have to watch Jay Monahan. Why has he got to be there? Right. Tigers, because Tigers going to do what he wants to do anyway. So I would say this has definitely become Tiger and Rory are now without question, sort of the de facto spokesman of this thing. There's still a lot you know, of money and, on and, the other side though. Oh, no question. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's money and there's, uh, there's still guys that are going to go. I don't think you're going to see many more American guys go. That would be the one thing I would say. And based on, based on who's left, they've made huge overtures to Sam Burns. He didn't go. They made huge overtures to Cantlay. He didn't go. They, now they're going to get Cam Smith and Leishman. But again, in our country, no one, no one really cares about those two guys. Like they're Australian, very good players. Obviously Cam Smith's had a great last year or two. But American players, if Morikawa left, if Scheffler left, if those American kids left, then then they would be way more concerned. I don't think they're that concerned now. I feel like if I'm the tour, I feel like, hey, we kind of, you know, we took their best punch. Yeah, they took some guys from us. None of them, with maybe the exception of DeChambeau, from a standpoint of having a brand, none of those guys were losses. Now, DeChambeau's the one guy because he was tied into Rocket Mortgage pretty heavy. He was tied into Bridgestone pretty heavy. You know, those those people spend a lot of money with the tour, and I'm sure the tour would rather have him with them than against them. But other than that, I don't think they really care about these other guys they've lost All right. to me. All right. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll hear you. I, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they lost... Rory, even right. though he's not American, if they lost Rory, that would be huge. If they lost Spieth or Thomas, that would be huge. 
again, Tiger is almost a non-factor. Obviously, you, if Tiger went to you, live, you say it would be a... But you, but you know, Liv was trying to get Charles Barkley. They don't, they don't care if you can play oh, golf. They might try to sign I'm Aaron saying, Judge now. <laughs> oh, I'm, they offered Tiger, we all know, they offered him $750 million plus another $100 million. Like, they, they offered him the chance to do it. I'm just saying, there's nothing... They wouldn't... How would they recoup their seven fifty? He's not playing. Right. Now, they would recoup it by having him... You know, roll around in a live golf shirt and show up at their tournaments. Right, but but he's you know he he isn't it. playing golf any longer. I, I Did you see it. him get out of the airplane yesterday? He can't even walk. No, I understand. I completely understand. I although I, sometimes when I get out of my plane, I limp. Too. Yeah, right. When you get out of your private jet that uh, <laughs> that, you, that you that you get to to, to fly into Delaware for. <laughs> right. All right. Um. Uh. The the BMW coming back so quickly. Is this a sign that like Baltimore is in the road and Caves are in the rotation now? And some of the stuff we had talked about about like maybe there's a Ryder Cup one day or a President's Cup or something like that. Like the idea that it's coming back this quickly within four years is it a bigger sign about where Caves stands within being a major golf event type of place? I would say it's far more indicative of the fact that Baltimore is a really good fit for BMW, which is why the tournament's been on the East Coast because they have a huge East Coast presence. It was in Philly. It was in, obviously, it was in Baltimore. It was in Philly. It was in, it's only been in two places, really. It's been in Chicago. It's been in the Midwest, and it's been on the East Coast, you know, because they have a huge hold in those two areas. Um, I'm not saying that Caves doesn't deserve to have it. I'm just saying I think it's indicative of they were wildly impressed with the amount of support they got last time. I, I think if they had it, and I'm, I'm just going to say Bully Rock because it's the first qu- course that came to my mind. I'm not saying Bully Rock's better than Caves, or I'm not even saying they could do it. But if they had it at Bully Rock, it would still have the same cachet. It's the BMW. It's it's in Baltimore-ish. Um, but I do think Caves is in that rotation of – if they're going to keep doing this event in this area, you could see Caves getting it once every five years. It's totally driven by BMW. Okay. No pun intended. It's it's a total sponsor-related thing. It is n- it's not about the tour wanting to be in Baltimore. It's about the BMW wanting to be in Baltimore. Your boy, your boy Rex Hoggard was trying to sell me that Caves could be a U.S. Open location, which I just said, what? No, what? Like I, I don't they don't uh, don't they go like twenty under at caves? I mean, like, yeah, like, I, I don't, don't, I don't see that personally. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't get that either, and and I didn't know. I if think it was, that's a little ambitious. But I, I, I mean, I just don't think the golf course is that kind of golf course. It's not a, it its purpose obviously is it's a corporate destination. It's a great facility. It's a wonderful golf course, but it it wasn't built to host the U.S. Open, right? Right, it, I, it it really wasn't. I mean, it was built to bring corporations and CEOs to Baltimore to play this first class facility, and that's and, and that's exactly what it is. Um, I just don't think it's worthy of. It's an it's a great place, but it I'm not sure it's worthy of that. Well, but what was interesting sort of event. when I was out there, and again, as someone who's who's very neutral about all of this, like. It, the the crowd that showed up was an international event type of crowd. Like it was a drunk hoot holler, you know, pile people on top of people. We're here mostly for a party 
type yeah, of crowd that right that that yeah. came off yeah. like you know maybe you think about that because isn't that exactly what you want when you do one of these international events? Yeah, but but the golf course has to be able to sustain it too, right? And I, it's just not that kind of golf course to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean. I just don't see. I, I think it, this BMW is a perfect. Is a perfect, you know, lots of scoring, lots of birdies. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. I think it's a perfect venue for that. All right. All right. Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com, Fairways and Greens, 105.7 The Fan. Um, so the, the, remember like, you remember the Yankees? You remember them? Yeah, right. I remember. Yeah, the team that's going 14 and 24 in the last 38. I remember them. The hell is that? They used to be good. They used to be good. All their players are getting hurt. How in the hell did this happen? I don't know. I like it's the, unbelievable. the funny thing is, I didn't really pay attention. Like I would hear people say, "Like, hey, well, you know, the Yankees haven't scored many runs recently," and I'd be like, ah, ah, ah. And "Then I look up and I'm like, oh my god, they just stink! Like they're terrible." Right. The well, here's the thing: we, we we do this every year with like four weeks left or so in the football season. We always do this game where we go, "All right, pick the four teams that are going to be in the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship right now." Right. And <sighs> no matter who you put down. It ain't happening that way. You're not guessing yeah, you the can't final go four, four, four a month you. out. You just can't, right? So right now, there is no possible way you can put that. You could tell me that you know who the final four are going to be in baseball. Well, this is the crazy part because we've settled. Other all, than the Orioles, okay, right? Of course. Well, you know, it's so funny you say that because we, Griffin and I were talking about this yesterday. We've laughed, and one of the things that we've said this season is like, "Hey, for as much fun as it is, nobody thinks the Orioles are winning a World Series, so we have to keep this in context." And I still feel that way. But tell me, who besides the Astros you're actually afraid of in a playoff series? Like no right, doubt. right now, the Orioles get in. I don't know why they couldn't. Uh, you know, if some, especially if somebody else were to beat the Astros, right? Like I, no, no doubt, it's insane. Oh, uh, I've seen enough this year to say. Don't even, don't even begin to think about saying, well, I know what's going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, well, because you, you, you don't. <laughs> I still find it really hard to believe that. Don't do I, it. Don't, don't do it. You're going to regret it because I'm going to bring it up to you when they're in the World Series and go, yeah, you were one of the last guys. Remember, right, you said right. don't, don't do it. Right, right. I Just st- roll with I, it. I'd still be, Just, no, don't I'd do still it. be really. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Just roll with really, it. Don't say it. Really. Um, we had a con- we had a conversation yesterday, and and I've done this with a few guys during the course of the season, and I, I use an internet trope to do it. I say, how do we talk to our kids about? And so yesterday, I, I put Jorge Mateo under the microscope. I said, how do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo? And I think that you understand what I'm saying, which is we're all enjoying watching Jorge Mateo play baseball. It's unbelievable some of these things that he's doing. Um, you know, he had a throw that was a little bit off last night, but it was on an impossible play. Um, and, and he got and, and Ryan Mountcastle dropped the ball where he should have had an amazing play last night. Um, Jorge Mateo's bat has come to life over the last month and a half, and you know if you only looked at that, you look at him as truly one of the best shortstops in all of baseball over the last month and a half. How, how do you figure Jorge Mateo, where he is, his future, all of those things, having that conversation right now? Well, I mean, he has to be at this point. He's penciled in. He, he's He's a fixture. I mean, he's part of your, when, you know, the, when the next time we, somebody hits a ground ball to our guy and he throws it the first to win the world series, it's probably going to be that dude. 
like he's in. If I mean, until until he hits, you know, one ninety eight next year, and then starts the following year two oh seven, and then you're like, okay, that was a fluke in twenty twenty two. It's not a fluke. So now if, he's not going to be a two seventy five hitter, I don't think. Well, but if he I plays defense a, like this, he doesn't have to be right. Like if, right. if, if he's, he's he's Mike Bordick. He's I, Mike Bordick. I mean, he's pl- Mike Bordick plus. Like yeah, right. I mean, right. It, at this level, yeah, he's it, Mike Bordick, and he can run. Right. Right, exactly, right. and yeah, and I mean, and the metrics say he's an even better defender than Mike Bordick was. Right, yeah, I mean he's, I, you know, I always said like Bordick and and JJ Hardy and those guys are kind of all from the same ilk. Mm-hmm. He he's uh, every bit of those guys. So he's every bit of that. If it's incredible. If their internal plan was to bring Gunnar Henderson up as a shortstop, that they believe he can do it. You're saying you would alter that? Like it doesn't matter. You're altering every plan for Jorge Mateo now. Well, I don't know. I mean, you I, you certainly want Henderson in there, and you've seen enough from him and the projections and everything that they said about Henderson. Everything is played out, right? right? You and I always joke about. I've always joked about you know these prospects that they bring up, and then the kid hits two ten and Delmarva, and you never hear from him again. Right. But like, the, Henderson is going to be an elite player. He is he as can't miss as Rutschman. You know, I don't know about that, but he's, but he is pretty much can't miss, right? Baseball America but says he's the th- best prospect in all of baseball. He's the number one prospect in baseball, yeah. right? I don't know how you. First of all, I don't you know you don't do anything with him, and so I'm not about to suggest. You know, why don't you see what you can get for Henderson? I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm also I also don't see how you do anything at this stage to interfere with what Mateo has done. So the answer to your question is you got to figure out a way to have them both. Well, you and say, I, and you I say don't know what that wait, answer is. But it, it, if what you're saying is, look, even if that's your plan, you have him go play third base. Like you, you say, sure. dude, you know, we think you can be a shortstop, but we don't have a spot available at shortstop. Right. And, so, and now maybe you've got some flexibility with Westberg if you wanted to trade someone. You know, there's right. probably some other moving pieces there that in the offseason, if you wanted to make a deal – Normally, you wouldn't want to give away your number three or number four prospect, but in this case, you might have, you know, you just might have a lot more flexibility to make a deal for one or two of your best prospects if you could land somebody. I'm not saying Soto, but if you got yourself involved in a deal for someone's Juan Soto, mm-hmm. whoever that might be, hey, we we didn't really want to give Kalzer and and. Westberg away. We've groomed him for three years, and we don't want to give him away. Right. But we have the room to do that now. And we didn't think, you know, three years ago, we didn't think we would have that room because we thought these guys would be leading us to the World Series. Maybe they'll go we sign. Know the, maybe they'll you know, go sign Aaron Judge. Maybe they'll do right. that. Yeah, maybe they'll go do that. No, I hear you. No, I, I don't know. I hear I'm you. Just, I hear you. I, it's, it's things. This is this season. This has been a bizarre. This has definitely been. It's as bizarre as anything I've ever seen, and it ain't over yet. A hundred percent. And by the way, I'm right. in a, the weird place where I'm in with Mateo is I think I agree, but at the same time, if that's the guy that some, if it's Mateo that someone else loves, I I I don't know that I'd be opposed to that either, right? Like okay, I don't I, got you. I don't sure. know that I wouldn't be opposed to saying, hey, there's still a chance this guy really is just a two twenty hitter, right? Like right. there there really is still a chance that is as good of a defender and as fast as he is. All he'll ever really be is a 220 to 230 hitter, and if somebody else is falling in love with him right now, 
maybe we'll let them be in love with him, right? Like right. M- maybe maybe we'll allow that to be the case if it can help us. And instead of trading a Westberg or you know something like that, we'll trade him because we're a little bit apprehensive about whether or not this is really who he is. So right. I, I I hear you, and I don't disagree with that either. All right, I know you got to go play golf. Let's play. Would you rather win? Yeah. Today. Uh, would you, it's a weird thing for you to do, by the way. I was very surprised when you told me you were playing golf today. It's so unlike you. I know. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You know what I did the other day at Glory Days Grill? I, uh, I ordered the smoky thigh wings, and I said, uh, put the uh, number two sauce on top of them. And, oh, sure. Yeah, it was perfection. My God, it right, was perfect. Just load up. Um, of course, they also have the uh, the opener, the, uh, the, the flash-fried pork belly with the number two sauce, as well as they still have the South Carolina barbecue chicken, the lobster roll with the grilled corn, and the lobster and crab fries, all available right now, glorydaysgrill.com. Get your order in. Would you rather, number one, would you rather, the Orioles say they're spending money this offseason, would you rather it be exclusively on starting pitching, or, nah, they still have a bottom half of the league offense, I'd like to see them be in on Trey Turner. Um, I, uh, I probably would go with the pitching. Okay. Okay. I would go with the pitching based on what I've seen. Okay. Number two, would you rather Baltimore Ravens make a low-level trade for someone like a Darius Slayton, a wide receiver that might be in at roster risk, or just stick it out with the guys they have and their undrafted free agents? Oh, man. That's... <laughs> I mean, try to beat everybody thirteen to ten. I mean, I I think they're going to try to win anyway. I think they're going to maybe run right. the ball, things like that. So what what did you right. say? You cut out there for a second. So uh, so just stick with what we have and try to beat everybody thirteen to ten. Um, and, and number three, I can't remember how you feel about either of these movies, so I don't know how you react to it. Um, you're not going to be at the Little League Classic on Sunday night, but you've been promised that you can go to the Orioles' next themed game that they're a part of. Would you rather it be that they play in the next Field of Dreams game in Iowa or a first-ever Sandlot game in Utah? Oh, I'll take Field of Dreams. That's it's not as good as the NHL's hockey thing, but it's close. Just I, I don't care at all for the movie, by the way. I, I need the outdoor thing. I don't. Okay. I don't care for it, but I love. I love the setup in the cornfield. I yeah, love I like it. it too. I love it, it. It's just, it's. Not as good as the outdoor game the NHL does, but it's in that vicinity. And I'm assuming you've never watched uh, either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Have not. All nope. right, then we will just move on. What's coming up on uh, Fairways and Greens on Sunday? We got a good show coming up. I forget who it is, but we got a we do have a really it's really gonna, good show coming. Going to be a heck of a show. It's going to be one of your, <laughs> one, we do. one of we, your best. I have I have no doubt that's the case. All right, uh, at it's a hooded far on Twitter, DrewsMorningDish.com. Uh, go hit them straight. Thanks, buddy. Drewforrestrewsmorningdish.com. Check in with us. All right, uh, your responses. Let's let's just spend a couple minutes here diving in on it. Uh, would you rather they go all exclu- they spend the money, but it's exclusively on starting pitching, or nah, make a run for Trey Turner? Um, I might see. So I'm just like Drew, I'm inclined to say starting pitching, but like uh, like the way our pitching is fared this season, it, I'm thinking like maybe that's something we can develop further mm-hmm. in the next season. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's you know because of the wall, because of Adley Rushman, because of Chris Holt, and but yeah, our offense is struggling. But I mean, I think, but I mean, it, it's not going to hurt to add a pitcher. I think that that can only help. A bat can, I don't know. I mean, they can. I guess they they might not be everything that they're that they you know. I guess because Chris Davis scares me. Mm. 
So yeah, Trey I'm going to stick a little bit different than Chris Davis. That's true. That's a good point. That's why good I specifically point. use Trey Turner and not that's just a, good point. a bat. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's if it's Trey Turner, then uh, yeah, absolutely. So that I'll, was, I'll go bad as well. You're going go bad as well. It's a really convoluted way of getting. Yeah, I know, there. I know. Well, that I'm just a, I'm saying I did, the adventure. I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. Took us on an adventure. I'm conflicted. Uh, for Mark, he drafted Jackson Holiday. He's coming in 2024. Mm, that's that's a that's a. That is soon. That is for a high school kid. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Witt got there quickly, right? But Bobby Witt has struggled since getting there quickly. I, I don't I don't know. That's it's just to make plans around there. I don't think I can do that. Don't shell out money for him or Correa. Upgrade the pitching and get another bat for either the outfield or corner infield. But if all assets go to starting pitching and bullpen, I'm cool with it since the young guys are coming and very good. Uh KZ pitching. You have bats coming in waves. I'm I'm struggling with that. You have position players coming in waves. Are they definite major league high quality bats? I don't I like Colton Kowser. Colton Kowser's hitting at the double A level. Does that mean Colton Kowser is a a Jock Peterson type of player? Does it mean he's a can he be a Clay Bellinger? Call it Clay Bellinger, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> Maybe he could be a Clay Bellinger. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm uncomfortable assuming that you have transcendent bats coming. You have position players that we think could be bats and coming in waves too. I again, you have Jordan Westberg is coming. Is Jordan Westberg a quality major league bat? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um. Uh, uh, Orioles idiot says, sign Turner and then trade for pitching, and that would be the point that if you signed a Trey Turner, you would suddenly have this kind of glut of prospects on the infield, and you could use at least one of them, if not more, to try to go help you out as a pitching. So somebody said, well, aren't isn't he kiling it up? Isn't he cheating with his answer? No, that's very practical which is part of signing Trey Turner would be that you're creating an, an excess of something that you could use to try to help you out in terms of trying to land a pitcher. I'm actually okay with that answer. From uh, Dave, Dave messaged and said, sorry, I got to pull back up. I like this question because I don't think that either one of them is the wrong answer. I guess I don't necessarily trust the Orioles' history in signing pitchers. Consider Kashner, Cobb, Ubaldo. I know that it's a different regime and that we'd be basing it on Mike Elias and his system, but I have been turned off by them pitchers they have signed for a very long time. When was the last time they signed a pitcher and it really worked out? That's a great question. It's a great question. This is the inherent um, grow the arms by the bats concept from Dan Duquette, right? Like that you don't sign pitchers because you're getting somebody that's already been taxed. You're getting somebody that's already, you know, like potentially given their best years somewhere else. Now, clearly, like Max Scherzer worked out. There have been pitchers that have been signed that have worked out quite well. Garrett Cole's doing okay in New York. Now, will it work out long term? Don't know. I don't think the Orioles are going to be in the market for a 10-year pitcher. I think that they'd be in the market for a four-year pitcher. And so there's only so bad that it can be. But to the point, I get it. You you might just be scared off from signing pitchers because they've signed a bunch of pitchers and none of them 
have particularly panned out to be helpful. I can understand that. Now, that wouldn't be the reason why I wouldn't do it, for the record, but I understand the thought. Let's squeeze one more in here before the top of the hour. Would you rather the uh, the Ravens, there's the option to trade a minor trade for someone who might be at risk anyway. Someone like Darius Slayton's name has come up a bunch. Or, no, stick it out with what you got, undrafted free agents. It's not worth giving up anything at this point for a player that might be cut anyway. Uh, I mean, is Darius Slayton supposed to be cut? Like, There's is that a lot really? of bluster. Because, okay. uh, I mean, I think I would, I would love Darius Slayton. And throwing a seventh at him, I don't have a problem with that at all. So I, I, I would be okay with trading a sixth or a seventh round pick and trying to get a guy that, you know, that we, that we know is an NFL receiver. I'm in a weird place with this one because inherently, like, it's it's against my belief to try to pick up scrap heap right, guys, right. right? Like, inherently, this is not the way that you go about getting football players. This is the type of thing that Ravens fans would say over the years. Well, the Ravens have always found guys at the end. Of, no, they, they haven't. They've done the, the exact opposite of that. They found non-helpful pieces going this route. But that being said, as I keep saying, and as we were talking about with Evan earlier, I am in a place where you're so thin, and the risk... I was talking about this with Rita on Sunday. The risk that you face of losing two guys in a game and having to play... We don't care right now that the Ravens have two injured wide receivers because they don't have to play a game for nearly four weeks. So we're not worked up about it. But imagine in week one them having two wide receivers get hurt. They got to play another game the following week. I'm not ready to say Shamar Bridges can play. I'm okay with him being on the team, but to say comfortably right now that he can be a guy that you have to go play and you have to line up and and he's got to work? No, 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 no. So I'm opposed to this morally, but... I probably end up having to give the same answer as you, and I probably end up having no choice. I, by the way, I apologize. Uh, I asked for him to tell me yesterday, Birds for Life is uh, Josh. He introduced himself to me. So thank you, Josh. It's good to meet you. He is, is, is kind of trying to cheat a little bit on his answer to number one. He said, uh, I don't know. I just don't know if it's worth it when you have the same player in Mateo. Well, no. And he did say, but can't hit as well. Not close. Not yet. I mean, again, what we've seen in the last month, if that's a sign of Jorge Mateo coming into himself, then then yes, you're right. But the track record is he can't hit nearly as well. Like we, There's no question about what Trey Turner is as a hitter. Um, uh, and he is a fraction of the cost of Turner. I'd rather have Judge and get rid of Hayes. I'm not letting – I'm not – everyone would rather have Judge. <laughs> I, Josh, I couldn't – I couldn't put judge as the option or everybody would have said judge. So that's the reason why I did that. I, I, I appreciate the, the concept. I do like that idea is out right. there. I do like <laughs> the theory, but I, I couldn't include judge as an option because everyone would say that. Um, right now, most of the responses coming on number two are don't make a trade. Just stick with the guys that you have. I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. It's just so thin. All right, continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. We will uh, revisit the others coming up in hour number two. We're also going to talk a good bit of Maryland football in hour number two. Just so happened to work out that way. Dante Trader is going to join us. Maryland Safety, uh, Pride of McDonough. And coming up next, Howard Griffith, Big Ten Network. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. In the hour number two of the program, it is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore Orioles have announced this morning um, something that we all kind of knew was coming and assumed was coming, that they will be opening up a sports book at Camden Yards. Uh, they've announced that they have partnered with uh, the Superbook and that they will – I'll just read from the um, release – this partnership will bring, and, and by the way, a, a, a key word, a key term that's used here, a long-term partnership. This partnership will bring the first-ever retail sports lounge to Oriole Park at Camden Yards. 
Superbook Sports, blah, 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 blah. That part doesn't matter. Subject to licensing and approvals from the Maryland Lottery and Gaming Control Commission, sports enthusiasts will be able to experience the Superbook Sports Lounge at Camden Yards upon its anticipated completion in 2023. The Sports Lounge will be highlighted by a social atmosphere, including food and beverages, as well as a comfortable seating for fans to enjoy the game and place live sports bets. It will feature the amenities and viewing experience of a live sports book with the ability to place bets from the palm of your hand. So what they don't announce there is exactly where the sports book will be. The assumption for many has always been that eventually Dempsey's would become a sports book, that that makes the most sense, that it allows you to um, have it open at times where there aren't games going on that you you sit at Dempsey's on a Friday night, even if the Orioles aren't home, you can bet on sports. Whereas if you put it somewhere within the ballpark, you'd have to somehow open the stadium in order for it to be an option. So I, they don't say that, but I, I think we've all kind of worked around the assumption that Dempsey's would end up becoming the location for um, a, a sports book. So, I mean, you you can't, I guess the bummer would be if you're doing it on game day, you, you, you certainly can't watch the game live from there. You could watch it on the screens that they'll no doubt put up in the facility. But if you're at the game and you want to bet on it, you couldn't do it live. I believe um, they're, they're working on it with the idea of being that it opens in 2023, um, that basically if you're at the game, you would be able to bet on your phone, but specifically through that app. So there are still details that I, I would need to know more about. Um, the, the word or the term that seems most interesting about it is the term long-term. Because as a few people have pointed out in the comments, uh, you haven't announced a long-term lease for the ballpark. So... That's weird. I think that it would be a positive sign if you're still hung up on the lease despite all of the things that we have learned over the course of the last year, all the money that's being invested, um, the agreement and the, the House bill passing in the state. If you're still hung up on the lease itself, this is probably one more piece of evidence for you to say, okay, I get it. The, there's a new lease coming. The commitment is here. We can stop haranguing about this nonsense about the team moving that's not going to be the case so that term the Orioles today announced a long-term partnership with Superbook Sports that seems relevant within that discussion that you're not doing this to then turn around and say in two years well yeah but we're out which was never the case and it was always absurd the way that we were discussing this but um look this is happening and it's going to be happening everywhere. All of all of the teams, all of the stadiums, all of the um, these locations want betting to be an option. And even as we get to mobile betting, even as we get to that place, they want to have brick and mortar locations within the stadiums. So this was going to be coming. There was no doubt about that. Okay. Now with that said. Why don't we switch gears? Here in hour number two of Glenn Clark Radio, 
Uh, Maryland football, a couple weeks away from opening up the season. And our next guest was in College Park with the Big Ten Network crew just last week as part of their bus tour, checking out everybody before the season begins. He is Big Ten Network analyst Howard Griffith, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Howard, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hey, no problem. How are you guys doing this morning? Everything is all right. And we are, you know, kind of cautiously excited about the start of football season at Maryland. And Howard, as I meant, <laughs> you know, you, you probably would imagine that's actually saying something because we haven't really even been cautiously excited a lot over the years. Um, what is the practicality for Maryland in terms of taking some sort of jump from laying a foundation a year ago? What could they do to build off of that moving forward this season? Well, I think it's about winning some of the games that, that they may not have the opportunity to win. I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to be able to score points and be successful, um, but they have to continue to be able to build. And I think that's what they're doing. Coach Loxley has done an extremely good job of, of really getting the length on this team, recruiting the guys that he needs uh, to be successful. Uh, and, and that's what's really exciting about it. It's, it's going to take time, but I think he is, without a doubt, the right person for the job because he does a great job of, of developing the player. He has a really exciting quarterback. Hopefully they are able to stay healthy and be able to move the program forward this year. So uh, to everything you just said, I, and I'm on board with Mike Loxley, and we've seen uh, so much that we like from, from Leah, and hopefully he stays healthy. But the other thing that jumps out at me is the experience on this roster. I mean, they are loaded with depth and players that have come back. Is that enough for them to, I'm not saying compete to win the Big Ten East, that's insane, but to at least close the gap for these games to be more competitive, for them to have a chance to win one of these games where they've maybe been blown out in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think they definitely have the, the opportunity to do that. This is a team that's really built for it right now. And, and as I talked about having to continue to build roster and do that, I, I think that's all going to take time. But they can't have any conference, right? The team that they're supposed to be, they've got to go out and continue to be week in and week out uh, and, and be able to do that, which I think they can. The challenge is, you know, obviously, you've got Ohio State, you've got Penn State. Those, those teams are getting better as well. But you got to be able to beat one of those teams. You can't afford to, to lose to a Michigan State or a Michigan and lose, you know, lose all those games, even though those programs are getting better. But you got to be able to steal one or two of those games, really, to take the jump for people to be excited about you from a, uh, a, a schedule or record standpoint. Howard Griffith, Big Ten Network, with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Howard, um, we haven't even mentioned the wide receivers yet. I mean, it's it's almost an embarrassment of riches. Like, there's an argument that the wide receiver room at Maryland might be as good as just about anywhere in the country. <laughs> it is it's interesting you bring that up. And if they can stay healthy, they absolutely are that talented. You know, people talk about Ohio State, and those guys are, you know, a different level uh, as deep as they are. But this Maryland wide receiver group was healthy and was talented as anybody around. Uh, you know, those coaches that have could have been there. Lockley has been there at, at Alabama where they have elite wide receivers, and now he can compare those rooms. I remember him telling me last year, Coach Eno telling me this is the talent of the rooms he's had while, he, while also at Alabama, but the production isn't necessarily there, and they've got to find a way to stay healthy this year. So what is the difference? What's the biggest difference, Howard, between – um, a Maryland and and competing against these teams that we're talking about. Like, where where is it? We say, hey, they've got 
You know, all of a sudden they got an offensive line at Maryland, which is something we haven't said a lot over the years, right? They got right. a quarterback, they got coaching, they got wide receiver. Where is still the difference between the top tier teams in the Big Ten and a program like Maryland? Yeah, I think it's the depth, and it starts in the offense and defensive line. The depth that they have. You know, Maryland probably can go six or seven deep in the offensive line. Where if you look at it at Ohio State, they might be able to go ten deep, and you know, maybe nine and ten are young players that are developing, but they have a high ceiling as far as the skill set is concerned. And I think that's really what separates right now uh, the teams that are up and coming in the East uh, are the offense and defensive line because the, the depth that they have and the depth at other positions as well, but the skill positions, they have so much skill in that DMV area that Maryland's going to have its opportunity to do that. It's about continuing to build that depth at the line of scrimmage to be able to control that is where, you know, the difference is between – I think the elite programs and the programs that are chasing them right now. I get that. I completely understand it. And look, they're still they're still trying to build. They're still trying to get more of those guys, and that's all not all going to come at once. What what would you define as success for Maryland football this season, Howard? I think it's about winning some of those games that people don't think they they can win, and Belia gives them that opportunity. And you know, you really have to have that style of quarterback to be able to put you in that situation. And I know. You know, they've talked a lot about Leah playing in neutral uh, and being really balanced as far as the quarterback is concerned, not too, not getting too high, not getting too low. And that's a process I had a chance to talk to him with about last week. And, you know, he understands the importance of him being being a calm uh, a calm person on the sidelines and he's going through his uh, situation when he, come off the, when he comes off the field and is communicating with the coaches. But I think that's a process of growing and learning as the quarterback position too. And he's a highly competitive young man. They can do it all. I, I think that the most important thing for him is not to turn the football over, but I think they're right there. As long as they have the quarterback that they have right now and those wide receivers stay healthy, they'll be able to make the push that they need to because they're going to continue to get done. Were you at all concerned? There was a storyline last year. Mike Loxley did not like it because it, it, it came off critical of his guy, but – were, were you at all concerned about Talia pressing at times, like that he was trying to do, like he was trying to be Superman at times, um, given what Maryland was up against? Uh, I, I think sometimes when we have a highly competitive player, he wants to be out there and make those kind of play. I mean, there's no question about it. And it's not so much that he's pressing, but, but I think sometimes as a competitor, you may want to uh, really push and throw the ball, push the ball down the field to give your guys the opportunity to, make a play, and sometimes they'll turn in the turtle. When you don't want that to, to be the situation for them, I think this is the year where Leah does a great job of extending plays, but a lot of times he wants to extend them so he can continue to play vertically down the field. I think if he decides to take off in some of those situations, it's going to be exciting to watch because he's, he's definitely a dangerous runner, but I think he's also trying to continue to develop his develop pass as well which I think he has a skill set. It's just a matter of when he needs to pull it down and run and when he needs to, to really extend plays and fill this vertically to get the ball down the field. At Howard Griffith on Twitter is how you give him a follow. Big Ten Network, of course, is where you see him. Howard, I know you're a busy man this month. Appreciate you squeezing in a couple minutes with us this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time for us. Anytime. Take care. Howard Griffith, Big Ten Network. Apologies, I know the phone was a challenge. I tried to, to gut it out. I just wanted to spend a couple minutes chatting with him about Maryland football, and um, I, I probably should have cut it sooner than that and uh, and seen if Griffin could maybe like uh, get him on a better connection. But 
you know, tried to gut it out. That's there's never a correct answer in those moments. Unfortunately, when you in this business, it's always difficult to know exactly what you should do when you're dealing with uh, technology letting you down. Which sometimes that's the way it goes. Sometimes uh, someone's like, "Hey, man, absolutely want to make time for you," but you know, they're in the middle of doing six other things. They're just trying to to make the time for us and. Unfortunately, they're just not in a good situation for it. But uh, appreciate what Howard Griff is saying. By the way, I have a print. Today is, and normally I try to wait till I have it in my hands to show you guys. Imagine what it might look like. There's a new print issue of Pressbox today. And imagine how beautiful it must be because Mark Andrews is on the cover. Um, it's available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all at Pressbox Online. Dot com. I'll try to show you the cover here. Hang on a second. Let me see if I can't uh, replicate it somehow. Eh, it's too small. I don't think that'll work. Uh, I'll zoom. No, zooming in, you don't really see. There's no chance. There is no chance that this works, but that's that's what the cover looks like of the new print issue of Pressbox. Yeah, more or less. Mark Andrews, they're on the cover, Larger Than Life, is the story from uh, Bo Smolka. Uh, dives into Mark Andrews, who was not committed to being a football player until late in his high school career was still basketball was still the place for him and obviously was not a first round pick in the NFL draft and wasn't even the first tight end the Ravens took and has had to overcome uh, a fight with diabetes and yet here we are and Mark Andrews might be the best tight end in all of football I mean Travis Kelsey certainly in the conversation um, George Kittle is still in the conversation but Mark Andrews is very much in the conversation. So it's a great story from uh, Bo Smolka about the Ravens superstar tight end. Go pick it up today for free. And within that print issue, I have also written a column about Maryland football and and how we define success. That was the question that I asked uh, Howard Griffith. How, what is success for Maryland football? And whether it's enough one of the things that I've heard this offseason is the next step for Maryland is just to be competitive in these other games. That's all, that's all it is. Just be competitive. They got their butts kicked by every good team that they faced last year. Just go be competitive in those games, and that's a step forward. Is that really, is that really a step forward? Is that really enough? Is that really success to just be competitive? Is that enough? I kind of dove into that question. Um, they averaged, their six Big Ten losses last year were by an average of 30 points. That's rough. Even if they're not yet ready to win, is it just enough for them to make those games interesting? I write about that in the new print issue of Press Box, which again is available. Today, if you stopped by your new your Royal Farms this morning and you saw the John Harbaugh cover still sitting there, then check back a little bit later today. It's a rollout throughout the day as uh, the new print issue of Pressbox is hitting newsstands today. All right, let's uh, go back, revisit Would You Rather Wednesday. Uh, Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Let's go to number three. Would You Rather. You're going to miss the Little League Classic on Sunday night. I don't even know. Like, I'm pretty sure when I went to get into the lottery for tickets, because I did do that at one point, despite the fact that I decided I wasn't going to ask for a credential, I did decide to go get in the lottery just to find out. 
And I'm pretty sure that you had to be a resident of Pennsylvania in order to even get into the lottery. Like, you couldn't even be a resident of... Like, I tried lying. I think I tried to use somebody else's address. Like, I'm pretty sure they made it so that basically... Orioles fans couldn't get in. That's that's great. Yeah, it's yeah. a bummer. Well, it's what it is. Yes, at least Red Sox fans. Won't I mean, I don't. There might be Hopefully. ticket. I, you might be able to scalp a ticket. I don't. Right. I don't know the rules. I have no idea how any of this works. The moral of the story being, would you rather there? You're going to be at the next one. Would you rather it be that after they do the construction at the Field of Dreams, and I believe 2024 is when they said the next one was going to be? Would you rather the Orioles participate in the next Field of Dreams game, and you get to be there for that, or? Major League Baseball smartens up and adds a Sandlot game that will be played on sort of a pop-up stadium in Utah where that movie was filmed. Uh, to me, I have to go with Sandlot. Sandlot, that would be really, really cool. Um, I, and just to see what they would do to be so. I mean, so what? What were we saying? The Orioles would be in the first Sandlot game too. That would well. I mean, presumably, More, yes, okay. yes. Then yeah. I, then I think also that as well, being part of the first Sandlot game, seeing the Orioles play in person. On the Sandlot, like so that's I, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. I, I I feel much more of a connection to Sandlot than I do with Field of Dreams. I mean, both are uh, both both there's both are both would be spectacular, but uh, I feel more of a connection with Sandlot. So I think, I, I think everyone um, that that listens to this sh- that's listened to this show for a long time understands that it's very emotional for me with the Sandlot. Like it is one of the motion pictures that means the absolute most to me in the world. Um, I when whatever the anniversary was a couple years ago, we had everybody called in. I, dude, one day. Um, the phone rang because we were, we had everybody. We had Ham Porter call in. We had so many guys. One day the phone rang, and Kyle answers it, and we we had no idea who it was. And Kyle's like, "Huh? Who? What? What? What?" And then Kyle's like, "Oh, and Kyle." Um, <laughs> Kyle puts down the phone. He's like, "It's the guy that played Smalls," and I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> And we still to this day have no idea how it came about. We had reached out, connected with everybody else. We have no clue how it happened that Scotty Smalls just called into the show one day, which was a joy for your boy. Um, I remember the the Orioles hosted a screening of the Sandlot, and they did like a Sandlot-themed night. And so we kind of lined it up with that, where like we had all the guys calling in. And like uh, Ham Porter was a joy for me, because like that dude's also been in other movies and things. He was just in uh, Glow, the Netflix series a couple years ago. Um, I, I am in a weird place though, right? Because we know what it looks like at the Field of Dreams game. It's perfection. It's picturesque. It's beautiful. It's everything you would want in a visit to a place like that. It is a baseball stadium in the middle of a frigging cornfield. It's incredible. And I don't know what it would be in Utah because the, and again, this will not work, the Salt Lake Tribune a couple years ago did a, you know, let's take a look at, at everything from the Sandlot and let's see what it looks like now. And on the right is what the actual Sandlot is. And it's in disrepair yeah. and it's gross. But th- like more than that, it's in the middle of of like a neighborhood. You, you couldn't, you literally could not do a Major League Baseball game in the middle of a neighborhood. It's not possible. So you'd have to kind of find a park nearby to try to build a pop-up stadium they've done these pop-up stadiums that's what the field of dreams it was a pop-up stadium that now they've decided to stick with for other events um they they did this when they were doing the military games like they would go to fort bragg and they would pop up a stadium you know like seating for 10 to twelve thousand people at most and it no amenities, just 
enough to to do the game and nothing more. So I don't know exactly what it would look like, and that would be the one thing about it. I would still think it would be a cool concept, and like you could go out there and you could tour. I am I am a, a mark for this type of stuff. Like when when I was in uh, Cleveland, I absolutely went to the the Christmas Story house. When uh, the last time I was in San Francisco, I went and saw the exterior of the outside shot from the Full House house, which of course is not where they shot any of the show. They just picked a house and they they used the exterior for the open and I still went and looked at it and took a picture at it because I'm a mark like I'm that guy so that would be a cool part of like if I was going out for the trip is I would see all of the houses right like here's Benny Rodriguez's house here's Small's house here's the by the apparently the pool still exists it's the Lauren Farr community pool in Ogden where uh, Wendy Peppercorn uh, was sitting up on uh, the lifeguard stand, and uh, uh, he kissed a girl. He kissed her long, and he kissed her hard, or kissed her good. What? Oh, God, I can't even remember what the line is. So I'm all for all of that. And again, they do it on the 4th of July. They have a fireworks scene with America the Beautiful. Perfection. That's all brilliant. I'm all in for it. I just, the stadium itself and the game itself, I don't know what that part would look like. I would be worried that they would just sort of say, well, here's a minor league stadium nearby. We'll play the game at that minor league stadium, and we'll celebrate the game around it. And that's not the end of the world. That's what they do with the Little League Classic, right? Like, But it's certainly not playing the games. I did love the guy that tweeted out, like, if every Major oh, League Baseball yeah, yeah. stadium had a dimension of the Little League World Series, who would have the most home runs this year? I did like that bit. But they're clearly not playing a Major League Baseball game on the Little League Baseball Stadium. there There's a small minor league stadium, a, a single-A level minor league team in Williamsport, and they play the game there. So it's not... It's, it's still in Williamsport, and the kids are all there, and that's the neat part, but it's not like they're playing it at the, the Little League Baseball facility. Um, I'd be, I just need to know about that, but I do think ultimately my answer would also be the Sandlot. By the way, speaking of holidays, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, love the NBA's move. Love that they've decided this year they're not going to play any games on Election Day. I, I, I've never understood, I, t- to my life, I'll never understand how we do Election Day in this country and don't give people the day off. I'll never, the, the misery and admittedly, and I hate admitting this, but the number of times that I've gone after work and the lines have been insanely long and I've just said, eh, nah. The idea that we don't try to get more people involved with the democratic process is nuts. So good on the NBA saying we're not going to make anybody work that day. It's not just about the players. It's about the people that work in the arenas. It's far more significant to give them the opportunity to go vote and to participate in election day which is something we should try to do more of i will never understand i don't care what your political beliefs are the idea that you want fewer people to be a part of the process is nonsense it's the foundation of why we exist as a country and more should take the lead of the nba and say we're gonna we're not gonna do anything on election day either we want you to go vote. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to go vote. So that's a big thumbs up. All right, we still have one more for Would You Rather. We'll get to that. But Dante Trader from Maryland Football is scheduled to join us next. Uh, we'll talk to him. It's a wild story about him being a dual sport athlete, but now deciding to stick with football specifically. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le champion. Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle, take it away, boys. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. I have some thoughts, by the way. Uh, I I watched episode one of the Manti Teo thing, and I'm going to watch episode two. I'm going to stick with it, but I have some thoughts. I will share those with you as we get a little bit closer to uh, totally tubular. Um, I have I I by the way, this is one of those things that I would probably watch four more documentaries about in the future. Like it's it's just that compelling to me. But before we do that. 
uh, opportunity to meet a Maryland football player and someone who I'm really excited about uh, for going into this season. He was originally from Delaware. He came to McDonough, played there, was a dual sport athlete, has decided to stick with football specifically, and he's getting ready for what we hope is a big season at the University of Maryland. He's Dante Trader, and he's with us now here on GCR. Dante, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem. Hey, Dante, it's it's good to hear from you, dude. Um, just give me an idea. After everything you guys did a year ago, getting bowl eligible and a big bowl win, what's the excitement like for the start of the season in College Park? Um, we all we all have big goals for the end of the year and from even to the middle of the year. We're all just trying to stay uh, better than what we were last year. That's our main goal is just taking another step, as Locks always says in every interview he does. Um, we just day by day. We're just trying to get to that first game and show everybody what we got. We know we got the big goals coming up, but we got to stay, you know, grounded and just game by game. Do you have like has it built your guys' confidence internally that like you went, you played an ACC program, you kicked their butts? Like, has it built a confidence level that like, hey, we have the right? I, I know you're not worried about the other games, but we have the right to believe we can win every game that we play this season. For us, um, even last year, we always had the confidence going in every game that we could compete with every team we step on the field with. It, the bowl game just, you know, proved that we we belong, we deserve the respect, even though we don't necessarily get it. Um, th- that game doesn't boost our confidence. It's just, you know, a reassurance in my mind. Sure, it fortifies it. I, I get exactly what you're saying. What What is the biggest difference, Don? You know, as, as we mentioned, it starts against Buffalo on September 3rd. What's the biggest difference for this team in being a good team like you guys were and being a team that can compete to 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 win the Big Ten, being a team that's ready to take a serious step forward this season? Actually, to get to where we need to get to, we can't beat now. So we can't beat ourselves. Coach Locks preaches that all the time. Can't beat ourselves with penalties, unforced errors, explosive plays. So we said we got to be a disciplined team. Disciplined team doesn't, doesn't beat themselves. And you'll see in the fourth quarter we'll be able to stay in the games. When you look back at some of these games, you look at we, we lead in the penalty margin, error margin, all those, and we don't get the turnovers we need. Um, that's, that's just our biggest thing. We just can't beat Maryland. So, yeah. I, like, I like that. He's Dante Trader. He's with us here on GCR. Dante, I want to talk about you, man. Your, your path, obviously, we're here in Baltimore. Get, get, tell me your story because mm-hmm. I don't know it, how you ended up coming from Delaware to McDonough <laughs> and, and McDonough being the place where – you know, maybe everybody around here got to know what you were and what you were all about. Most definitely. So I played lacrosse all my life, you know, grew up in the Delaware area. Um, got Ended up playing at a bunch of travel teams and branched out to like a, it's called, it was like Mad Lax National. And they got me over the bridge, which was in practice over there in the um, Bethesda area. And my coach was like, we're trying to get you over here. So I was touring schools in D.C. and Virginia. But he was like, I really believe you should go to the MIAA. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, Coach. Now I actually <laughs> joke, but he's like, I knew Andy Hillgardner over there uh, at McDonough. So, you know, I got in touch with them. And then the football coaches got uh, in touch with me over there, too. And the next thing you know, I was on a tour over there. I'm like, wow, this, this place is amazing. You know, they got housing on campus. You know, they got boarding. It's, it looks like a mini college campus over there. And I was sold after that. So I came in. Nobody really knew much of me on the football side, but the lacrosse side, they knew. Who I, what kind of who I was, and um, I just was like, okay, I'm going to play football, you know, played, didn't nobody know me, so I didn't have nothing to lose, so I was just playing out there, and then I got some interest from Coach Lutz, and now uh, here we are. 
So w- was the decision to come to Maryland, and, and, and we'll talk about the decision to stick with football, but was it based in part because you know your plan was to keep playing lacrosse and like here's a place you can do both these things at a high level, or was Maryland going to be the place that you wanted to go no matter what? Yeah, Maryland, it was Maryland no matter what. Okay. Um, I grew up watching Maryland um, all the time. It was like, yeah, like I toured this school, I think my eighth grade year. Um, it was like more of like an unofficial like lacrosse visit. Um, and I was already sold. But then I was like, yeah, I'm coming here. to told my dad and everything. So even when Coach Lockstead, like, was trying to get me to play football, it wasn't even like a recruitment thing. It was just like, you know, asking me did I want to play because I was already going to come here regardless. Wow. Wow. And so now here you are, and, you, and you've decided to stick it out with football. I, I Take me through, Dante, how difficult of a decision. I mean, like, obviously, you play lacrosse, you can win national championships yeah. at Maryland. You can be on maybe the greatest team in the history of the sport, right? Like, there's this incredible yeah. opportunity. What leads yeah. you to saying, nah, football is my path, this is what I want to do, and I need to focus on it year-round? So, yeah, that, that decision was extremely hard for me. I was stretching it out, stretching it out. It was like me and my dad going back and forth, weighing the pros and cons with Coach Logsy, who was all for it for me to play both and play lacrosse. But it was necessarily me. I was like, I wanted to take another step and, you know, compete for that number one spot as a safety. So I was like, I needed that spring to get my weight up, get healthy, get stronger, get faster, get some technique so I can be able to compete sometimes, can't come. I didn't want to be behind the draw when I came out of lacrosse season, come in and have to fight a lot more harder than I needed to, if that makes sense. No, I, I, I do. I do understand what it is that you're saying. Did, is part of it that, like, you have a is the I'm assuming the NFL is your goal, right? Because the NFL is everybody's goal, yes, right? Like, it yes, is part of it that you say, hey, if I'm going to get to that place, I can't, I can't distract myself from that goal in any way. No, um, I don't see it as a distraction. Um, okay. For me, like, I was just like, yeah, the goal is NFL, but I just need to put off lacrosse right now. Like, yeah. that was always my dream was to play lacrosse uh, in the collegiate level. I told people, I said, it's not me not chasing that dream anymore. I'm just delaying it for some circumstances that came abroad. Because, you know, all dreams aren't as fast or as slow as you want them to be. You have to change the stuff, and stuff happens, and you know how the world works. Would there be a thought, like, after your football eligibility, like, would there be a thought to, to maybe try to play a year of lacrosse, something like that? So, to be honest, the goal is to play next spring, to be honest. Really? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. The goal is to play next spring. Okay. I want to challenge myself and play and complete, complete that dream, you know. You know, Coach Tillman is a great coach over there, and Coach Locke is all for it, as long as, you know, I keep my grades, stay healthy do what I got to do on the football side first and then I'll be able to play lacrosse. Wow, that's a big deal, man. Like that's a really big deal. How excited we're talking to Dante Trader here on GCR. How exciting is that for you? Like you really are it, it, it's difficult enough to be playing Big 10 football, right? There's only a small percentage of people that will ever know what it's like to play Big 10 football. But the percentage of people that will know what it's like to play Big 10 football and then also compete for like a national championship in another sport is you know, it's it's next to none. Like, I mean, it's it's almost no one that's ever done that. How exciting is it for you to think about that possibility that that you could really be breaking ground and doing something that nobody's really ever done before? Yeah, it's truly exciting. But you gotta know what comes with it, all the sacrifices and the strain. Then you're like, okay, let me get to a middle and ground. I get too over the hype because you know you got to go through what uh, football training is what nine. 
10 yeah. uh, months out of the year <laughs> training. Yeah. You're just yeah. training to get 12 opportunities, right? And then you go switch, get a month off, and go play four or five months of lacrosse, and you got to go right into summer, fall camp. So it's like I ever go on cycles. So it's like, <laughs> you know, you got to look at all that. You're like, all right, you got to be mentally and physically strong to be able to endure that. Well, and sacrifice is a word that comes along with that, right? Like, I imagine that you've got friends that are like, dude, I'd, I'd like to hang out with you. I'd like to see you at some point. And you're like, yeah, no, I don't have time for that right now. Yeah, it, uh, I, my my friends and parents help me balance it, even my coaches, because they know I'm a very serious guy, and I, I stress myself out because it's like when I'm not working or not doing something on my craft and, like, I'm having fun, it's like somebody's not working. Or I need to be doing this. I need, You know, that's just how I've been doing it all my life, you know. I'm my own enemy sometimes, and I'm trying to get out of that. Wow, man. This is cool. I, I did not know that that was the plan for you, dude. That's really exciting. That's really did, – did, yeah. did, was it inspiring watching what Maryland did a year ago? Did you find yourself saying, hey, like, I I want to win a ring. Like, I want to do that. It's not just that I want to play. I want to be a part of that. Um, it's not, I necessarily don't look at end goals for me. Um, I, it's always a possibility with Maryland. You know, there's yeah. always a yes. top – top four contender every year right. they'll be in the final four but i just wanted to be out there and doing what i love in any way shape or possible um you know that's just, just, just the, the game brings me joy so the ring could be cool it's an addition but going out there you know getting to know those guys and competing with those guys would be the best thing that's awesome man we love everything about that dude we can't wait to see that dante trader just another couple of minutes with him here on gcr Dante, this secondary that you're a part of at Maryland, look, I know you mm-hmm. know your quarterback, your wide receivers get a lot of attention, but I look and I yeah. see a lot of NFL players in that secondary, in Tarhi mm-hmm. and Deontay and Ja'Cory and, and yourself. Um, what's it like being a part of a group like that? And do you feel like maybe perhaps you guys don't get the attention that you deserve given how experienced and deep that secondary is that you've got? I definitely feel like we're, uh, I would say, under – uh, how do I how do I put this? Underrated, yeah, underrated. Yeah. Even though we got highly rated players, I would say that because of last year and the year before. But we have a really strong corner cornerback room and up and coming safety room. Those guys, Jacorian, Tarheeb, and Banks, all are phenomenal athletes. They compete to the highest levels. Like being in those rooms with those guys, like you bounce ideas off them, bounce techniques. They critique you. They're always on you. Like when you come to a DB meeting or or uh, like a Independent, uh, ND period, we compete and having fun. That's just, uh, you know, the DB is going to be rowdy. We compete, and that just translates to the field. We communicate, we fly around, and that's what we do. I mean, I, it's, I can't wait to see it, man. Like, I can't wait to see it. And, and it clearly, um, you guys are, are set for what should be a very special season. I, 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 I want to go back to something because as we were talking about that, do, what do you do, Don? Like, if you get five minutes where you're not playing a sport, like, what are you doing with mm-hmm. your life? In those <laughs> five minutes. Um, when I'm not worried about football, what do I do? That's that's a very good question because a lot of it is strained on football and getting better. But you know, I like to when I go home in Delaware, I like to go fishing with my people. Like fishing is good. Uh, it brings me peace. Uh, you know, so have a toss with my uh, little brother. That's cool. He plays across too. Um, but when I'm up here, uh, I just hang out with friends, enjoy my own time. I, I like to stick to myself a lot, but I try to venture out so I'm not just in my room all the time. Where, where did the love for lacrosse come from originally, Dante? Like where? I, I, cause your father was a football player, right? In my whole family was. Uh, <laughs> this 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 story was like a lot of people don't know. It's like. I grew up, 
my family grew up like baseball and softball, right? So I would have to go to opening days over and over. Okay. And I just got tired of sitting out in the in the hot sun and watching <laughs> them. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I want to so, run. Like, when I got to that, when I got to that age, my dad was like, um, uh, "Do you want to play lacrosse or baseball?" Because he worked for uh, Salisbury Univers- uh, University and had like a lacrosse feeder program for like youth. And I was like, "What is that?" And he said, "You know what? I'm playing anyway." So I went to try that. I was like seven, and just ran way up until then. Man, man, and you fell in love with it, and you said, "This is this. Yeah. I want to keep doing this." That's really cool, man. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And then the, the going up against these receivers every day in camp. Um, how? Yeah. I mean, this is an unbelievable group of guys. We talk about the depth in your guys' room. Clearly, that room mm-hmm. might be the best in the country. What does that do for you yeah. guys going up against those guys every day? It. Ah, I want to. This is. I'm, this is not a weird how to say it. Like, it kind of. That's what's your confidence to prepare you for the game, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. you're going against these guys, and you're like, all right, they got me on this right, they got me on this right, but I got them a couple of times. It's like you're not winning majority of those battles, but you could some days, some days you're not, and you're like, okay, you, some doubt kicks in, but then you realize these guys are high-caliber uh, receivers, then you go into the game, and it's like, and there's nothing. And, like, when you practice against the best guys, it's, it's, it's not as hard, and you're confident as you, uh, as you need to be. So, like, going against Rob, Demas, Jayshon, Ty Felton, Cope, all those receivers, yep. just they're all different in all the aspects. They're smart, they're, they're, they're fast, they're route running, they can block. They're always competing with us, so every day is a battle. If you're a step slow, they're going to they're gonna catch the ball. If your technique's not sound, they're going to they're gonna catch the ball. So we always got to be on our P's and Q's when guarding these type of receivers, which is going to help us in the game. No doubt, right? Like, what what could somebody throw at you in a game that you haven't already seen at this point, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, you've gone up against the best. Uh, Dante, man, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this conversation, man. What can I plug for you? Twitter, Instagram, where can Maryland fans be giving you a follow? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at DizzyDante. Um, on Instagram is Dante.Trader, and that's how you'll find me. Man, uh, we will be rooting for you, obviously, not only this fall, but really excited about the possibility of seeing you in the spring as well. Uh, may you guys have all sorts of success. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us, man. Look forward to doing it again. No problem. Thank you for having me. Dante Trader. Um, I did not realize that, and I apologize. Now I did a, a, a Twitter search. Apparently he had told um, – our friends at 24-7 Sports, uh, InsideMDSports.com, apparently had told them uh, the plans uh, a couple weeks ago as well. But uh, after not playing in the spring, Dante Trader is going to go back to lacrosse uh, coming up this year, or plans to go back to playing lacrosse this year. And what a cool story that is. I mean, like, that's nuts. I mean, the guy is a high-level football player um, in the Big Ten and could also go compete to try to win a national championship in lacrosse. So must be nice to have a skill. Must be nice to be good at something. I wouldn't know. Not uh, not something that I have a lot of familiarity with. Uh, great stuff with Dante Trader. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Um, all right, so uh, Griffin, I I played your swagger lineup last night. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I can't. I can't with the, this. This game is. I I, I do know that today's is going to hit though. That's yeah, you think that's you're confident about yeah. that? Now, yeah. I decided to only play it as a $2 ticket instead of a $5 ticket because I was like, yeah. <laughs> there were a couple on there that I was like, yeah, is this, this is what we're doing? But I decided, like an idiot, I was going to just let Griffin make my picks for me. And, like, for example, I understand I, exactly why you said over one and a half total bases for Ryan Mountcastle. Right, right. Makes yeah. all the sense in the world. It does. And then the Verlander and Dylan Seas, I took their over strikeouts. So those, uh, yeah. 
Those they both had low strikeout days for. They did. Whatever reason. They did. <laughs> they they did. That all of that. Uh, all of that happened. All of that happened. Uh, for the record, I'm trying to. Which one? Which one are you most puzzled by right now? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad my uh, my Goldschmidt, my Charlie Blackman one. So hit. Cody Bellinger, I guess, didn't play. Yeah, Cody Bellinger didn't play, so that one got voided. Uh, I think I think my problem is I'm biting off. I'm trying to bite off more, like too much. Like, uh, I'm, yes, I'm, you, I'm going. Ten, I'm putting you, ten on every ticket. I don't. I don't. Oh, are you really? No, no, no. no oh, well, you're like making, ten picks. You're putting ten picks. On I every think ticket. I should like focus on. So all right, let me let me, let me recap. Really let me like. recap how Griffin did last night. No, no, no. Well, no, no, no. Let me recap. Vlad Guerrero Jr. more than one hit. Thumbs up. 68 points. That was a good win. Uh, Charlie Blackman, more than one hit. Thumbs up, 69 points. We were off to a, a hey, great start. Kills kills Jose Quintana. I knew Paul it. Goldschmidt, more than one total base. Hit a home run. Killing it. <laughs> Ryan Mountcastle, more than one total base. No. no Unfortunately, yeah, he went 0 for 5. Did not have any bases. <laughs> uh, Kyle Freeland and Jose Quintana combined... More than three walks. I get where your head's at. Yeah. Makes and all the they, sense they in the world. Right at three. Exactly three. Just. Dylan Cease, more than seven strikeouts. Not even close. Nope. Justin Verlander. He only had four strikeouts. More than six strikeouts. He only needed six. Or, well, you know, he needed seven. And he only got four. Nope. Aaron Judge. He'll probably have 13 in his next game. Aaron Judge, more than one total base. Judge went over. Nope. Brandon Woodruff. More than six. So I was trying to be guys. smart. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to be smart. He actually him. hit exactly six. Yeah, exactly six. So it was such a. It was so promising. <laughs> there were so many things to like, and then it, it just really was all kind of <laughs> fell apart from there. Now, that being said, if Griffin had played a ticket with just four, let's just say he had played Guerrero, Blackman, Goldschmidt, and Mountcastle, Mountcastle, he would have been a winner. Big winner. Because that's the thing about swagger is you don't have to get everything. Now, Griffin's going crazy. He's putting 10 things on his tickets. He today's, doesn't have to do yeah, that. He could today's just put, I'm going four, just five four. max. All right. Okay, I'm stopping myself at five picks. Cause um, I, I just decided I was going to let Griffin play a ticket for me. Or maybe I should just tail you, whatever you do. Oh, I don't know. I'm not. This is, this is, I, I, I don't think. Clearly, I know. I don't think I'm really going to dive in until football season. Like, I, I, I might put some smaller tickets in. I am more likely to put tickets in that are specific to Orioles games than right. going across the board because I just don't feel like I know enough about these other games. But the cool thing, again, with Swagger, playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. The cool thing about playing with Swagger is that, one, you don't have to hit everything. You, it's, let me take a step back. It feels like you're betting. You're, of course, not actually betting because you still can't do that in the state of Maryland on your phone or computer. But while you can't do that, it feels like you're betting with Swagger. So you're playing these these player props, you're playing parlays. And you don't have to hit every leg of the parlay. It's so important that we we keep saying this. Griffin could have gone three for four, maybe even three for five, because I feel like a couple of those yeah, were, so. were upsets in there. Like, yeah, you got 68, 69 points on a couple of these things. Like, you might have even been able to go three for five last night and still be at least getting your money back, maybe a winner. I would have had to go back and looked at the in the moment. You got 193 points from three. From three, so yeah. Picks, if yes, you, would, it's totally possible. So yeah, about 60, 65 you, points. You could have gone three for five and been a winner and got and won money last night. Put your your ticket together, you play it, and you can win big money. I mean, you can win huge payouts if 
you go the route that Griffin goes and you play a bunch of legs on your parlay. And, of course, depending on how much you want to bet on that ticket. But right now, you can do it and not even have to use your money. Because Swagger is offering you $10 free when you sign up and they are matching your first deposit up to $100. Play with swagger.com slash pressbox. You put in $100, you're getting $100. Plus, you're getting that $10 free. So that's $110 free for you to play with. You don't use your money. You start winning, and maybe at some point Griffin will. We'll find out. Tonight. To be determined. You, you start winning, and you may never use your money. You may eternally play with Swagger's money as you take your winnings out. Seems pretty good to me. Play with Swagger.com slash Pressbox in order for you to sign up and start playing with Swagger. And again, we're really going to ramp up uh, come football season. I am going to be all over props in football seasons. I'm going to play a lot of Swagger tickets. That is my plan. All right. uh, Final question was the, uh, so if you are, here's the deal. If you do not want anything that might even remotely be a spoiler from Better Call Saul, then rejoin us in five minutes. Fast forward five to six minutes. Rejoin us. If you're watching or listening live, rejoin us at 11.58. Because we did, I did a bonus number four for Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Would you rather, the word is right now, that the universe is done. That the Breaking Bad universe, which has given us, of course, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul on that. What was the name of the movie they did on Netflix? Um, uh, El Camino, was yeah, that it? Yeah, yeah, El Camino. It's given us all of that. The word is, it's done. But is it? Would you rather? Indeed, there's another show coming from the Breaking Bad universe. And that show is about Jesse. Of course, if you were watching the finale, you heard there was an illusion made to Jesse still being out there. Which seemed like maybe that might have been some sort of foreshadowing. Whether that was because they're planning a series or because they want to do another Netflix movie or whatever it might be. It was just weird that that was thrown in by Jimmy in the final episode. Just kind of odd where he went out of his way to bring up that thing. I also have a bone to pick about the final episode. I don't think it's been enough time for me to really go into deep detail about it, but I do have a bone to pick about it. Um, so would you rather they do that, or are you so enamored with Saul that you would prefer a next spinoff to be a show about Kim and now her relationship in prison with Jimmy or Saul? Which would you rather? Okay, so uh, unfortunately I just I, I've not watched any of this show. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but here's what I will say. Aaron Paul, great Dude, actor. Love stop, Aaron Paul. Stop. You're offering nothing now. You're offering nothing. That's my vote. You're offering nothing. Give me the Jesse show. Um, most people are saying Jesse. Most people are. Although, actually, as I say that, fa- the Facebook responses have been more Kim than Jesse, which is which is weird. Um, but the, um, the more of the Twitter responses have been about Jesse. And I get that. Because it goes back to the thing that you beloved, that you truly fell in love with, which was Breaking Bad, right? And you're like, well, I kind of like to revisit that. I've also had people that have suggested that the finale on Monday presented sort of closure for Kim and, and I could not, I could not possibly disagree more. 
There, in no way did it prevent, pre- give you closure. Not at all. I want to know more. Saul appeared to be the most popular guy in prison. I'd like to. I'd like to get prison Saul now. I'd like to get that story and Kim interjecting herself and clearly being willing to do things she's not supposed to do again, despite the fact that she had essentially reformed during the years that she was away from Saul. The fact that she went in there, she was like, I'll give you a cigarette. I'll look to see if the guards are looking. Makes you wonder what else she might be willing to do. Would she be willing to go in there on acting on... I, I, whatever. If you haven't watched the show, I don't care that I'm spoiling it for you. Um, but I And I warned everybody else, so I don't feel bad about that. I warned everybody else that I was going to be spoiling it. Um, I, I have... I, I want more of that dynamic. That dynamic is fascinating. Like, are they re-entering a relationship? Was that the foreshadowing that they were doing with that with that scene? Was that she's realizing that she does truly love this 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 flawed, complicated man? And so, even if he's done terrible things, and really, let's be fair, he has done terrible things. But he's complicated, right? Like, and she's complicated. And again, if she's willing to, 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 to live in the gray area, then where does that go? Could he, could she run his empire? Could he continue to? I'm fascinated by it. I want every, I want everything there. I want all of it. My answer to either question, of course, is yes. Give me any, give me more of this universe somehow. I'm all in for it. I said before, I'd like a Gus Fring spinoff. I'd like an origin story on Gus. Of course, he's clearly n- not available to, to go further because he, he met his demise uh, once upon a time. But um, an origin story on Gus, I don't know. I, I can't remember. that. It's John Giancarlo uh, Esposito. Uh, Esposito, is that his name? Um, I, I don't know if they can de-age him to do a an origin story it was it, it was it was never distracting with better call Saul like they did it well enough they were able to make Bob Odenkirk look a couple of years younger they didn't go so far back with Saul like they did some of the the the, the foreshadowing or they did the what do you call that what is the, the technique in a movie where you go back and they did the scenes where they were like in college and that was kind of silly like that you could tell then, like the absurdity of them having the same actor play, you know, yeah. a college version of himself. Like that was a bit too much. But um, for the most part, they pulled it off, right? For the most part, they really did uh, make it work. And so, if they don't go too far back on Gus, they probably could make it work with Giancarlo um, Esposito in order for him to play the character. And if it's more about him and the cartel and how he got hooked up. And and you know I'd, I'd be all in for that. I'd I'd watch that. But of the two, if I had to pick one of the two, I think right now, I'm being as honest as I can be, I thought the El Camino movie was okay. I thought Better Call Saul, for the most part, was excellent. There, it plotted too many times. There were too many times where it was dragging, and you were like, "Hey, get to it." I think people are talking about it as being when people say it's a better show than Breaking Bad. That's nonsense. It's not. But I get it. It was filmed. It looked incredible at times. But there were still too many parts where I would say it needed to pick up. But I still think it was better than the El Camino movie. So I'm more inclined to get more Better Call Saul with the focus now being on Kim than I would be to go the route of Jesse, which when we got that, it was just, again, it was just okay. I didn't think the movie was better than okay. I thought it was... 
it wet my appetite for more of the universe, but it wasn't brilliant in any way. So because of that, I'll probably go the Kim route. All right, then I'll change my answer to that as well because I trust your opinion. Well, whenever I dip my well, my toes into the Breaking Bad universe, I'm sure I'm going to be hooked. Did you so watch Breaking Bad? I did not. You didn't watch it? Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just haven't gotten around to that. that Admittedly, this is this is not a lie. Admittedly, I, I'm, this is, this is watch it some point, complete I straight bet. shoot. It wasn't until – I don't think it was the pandemic. It might have been the pandemic. I had watched Breaking Bad but never straight through. Like, I had missed episodes. I had, like, this predated when we gotcha. would watch everything online. Like, you had to watch it on TV, and, like, I would be out with friends. And Yeah, I have watched, like, most of season one, I think. I, I had watched. I just haven't gotten back I, to it. Before the pandemic, I had watched enough Breaking Bad, but I had never sat down and really lived it start to finish. Right. So I did that during the pandemic. Yes, and I guess it was either Breaking Bad or Sopranos for me. So I did Sopranos, and uh, I, that's, that's no problem with yeah. that. It's by the way, <laughs> Sopranos. It's a very, it's a um, remarkably same story for me. I've watched plenty of Sopranos, but I again, I was so young at that point, right. and like I was going out, and I wasn't, I just didn't watch TV that way yeah. at that age. Yeah, and I didn't, I never bought the DVDs, I never did that. So I would like at some point to sit down, and I decided I was actually between doing a wire rewatch mm. or Sopranos start to finish, and I decided to do my wire rewatch during the uh, pandemic. Can't blame you. I mean, it, yeah, I would, I would like to do another one of those. I just don't yeah. have the time. Um, you will not regret Sopranos whenever you get to. I, I've no, I, I like I enjoyed Sopranos. I just never did a start to finish thing. So I'm glad I did that. All right, uh, there you go. That's uh, that's Would You Rather Wednesday. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Now, before we get to tubular. I will tell you. Why, did you not include the Manti Teo thing? I yes. Somehow I just realized yeah, I missed that. Really screwed that up. I don't know how I missed it that. It suddenly popped up on my Netflix yeah. the other day, and I was like, "What? What? Yeah, what?" It came out yesterday. Where the hell was I missed it? Where the hell was Griffin I, on this? I'm sorry. I'm Way sorry. Way to go, doofus. <laughs> um, so I watched episode one of Manti Teo, or Untold, the Manti Teo story. Um, I'm all over the place here, right? Because. I remember when the story first broke. I remember like that day when it popped up on Deadspin and we were all like, what the yeah. F? I remember feeling vitriol towards Manti Teo, right? And as we learned, because I was like, dude, this guy really let us, he dragged us along on this thing. Like he was this hero playing for this girl that never existed. And I, at the time was aware of the concept of of catfishing, but did not know truly how twisted, how deep people went within their catfishing. Like, I... To me, I was still of the... Dude, you were not in a relationship with somebody you never met. Like, you were not this impacted by the death of a person you had never met, that you had never seen their face. That's not possible. You know, like, you, you might have had a... It, it might have been sad, like you might have been disappointed, but there is no chance that it was to the depths that you tried to portray it to be if you had never met this person. It's impossible. In learning more, and again, you got to understand, I, I am of the age that I have never used a dating app in my life. I met my wife in 2008. We broke up twice when we were dating, and I did date some other people, but I met all of them, meeting them at a bar or at a, because I knew them somehow. They were a friend of a friend or actually a family member of a friend or whatever. Like, I 
have never lived online relationships. Ironically, the closest thing I ever had to an online relationship was with Andrew Stetka. <laughs> because this is a straight shoot, and we've talked about it before. When Stetka was in Baltimore, we knew each other, but we had never actually met. And then he moved to Arizona, and when he was moving to Arizona, because he knew I lived in Arizona, he reached out to me and was like, hey, man, could you put me in touch with somebody? And I, I liked Andrew, and I, he had worked in radio briefly, and I, of course, known his dad for a very long time. So I connected with him, and we built a friendship. But we had never met. <laughs> but I knew he was a real person. <laughs> like, I, I knew that there was no, like, I, I couldn't imagine any, anything like this I just couldn't fathom it. Now, as we learn more about the story, and as the documentary goes deeper in, I have far less vitriol towards Manti Teo. I still cannot fathom someone believing that they are in an internal relationship with someone that they have not met. Like, I still... That concept, to me, will never work. And maybe other people had to learn from the Manti Teo thing or the Catfish TV show or whatever it is. Like maybe other people have had to guard themselves more because this thing, this concept of catfishing is clearly quite real and, and scary and dangerous and all of those things. I'm still in a weird place where I don't, I emphasize, or em, emphasize, I empathize with Manti Teo. I don't know that I sympathize with Manti Teo, even after watching this. I definitely do not sympathize with, um, now she is Naya, is what she goes by, the the antagonist of the story, transgender, has transitioned and is now, um, identifies as a woman, at the time, identified as a male, and catfish Manti Teo. Uh, created, concocted the Lene Kakua character, which um, I, I also, I had forgotten. I, and the story was out there. I had forgotten that she literally just took a, like a, a classmate's pictures and used them in creating this Lene Kakua character. And like, that person was very real. <laughs> and like all of a sudden the story blows up and this person's like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell? That's me. What the hell's going on here? Um, the question that is sort of at the center of all of it is how much did this derail Manti Teo's career and life? Because remember, Manti Teo was so good that he was one of the two finalists for the Heisman Trophy despite being a defensive player. And that doesn't happen. And going into it, it wasn't until like late in that week where we really, the people that, that do all, that track all the voting, like really were comfortable in saying it's going to be Manziel. Like there was still a thought that it could end up being Manti Teo until close to when the announcement was made. That's insane. Defensive players don't do that. That's how good Manti Teo was. So the unwritten, kind of unspoken part that they do, I mean, they do speak about, is what did this do to Manti Teo, the football player? Like, had it not been for this, would Manti Teo have been an all-pro, future superstar linebacker in the NFL? Was he on his way to a junior Seau type of career? The Polynesian, you know, comparison is one that's hard to avoid. And that's very difficult. And I know um, Rita was tweeting about it this morning, because Rita and I were talking last night, and she decided to watch it. Um, 
it's very difficult because one, the Notre Dame people in kind of protecting their own image will definitely try to make it seem like that's the reason they got throttled by Alabama in the national championship game. It sure as F ain't. That was a fraudulent Notre Dame team. That was the typical Notre Dame that just so happens to luck out the way they build their schedule every year. This is a year where they didn't have to play. I mean, it happened, was it two years ago with the Notre Dame team that yeah, got into probably. play? That, that was utterly unworthy of being there. It just so happened to be that you know they had built a schedule where they were able to win their games. And uh, didn't they play Clemson when Trevor Lawrence was hurt that year? Not yeah. the, not the yeah, two yeah, years yes. ago. Yeah. They played Trevor Lawrence barely without – they played Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, barely snuck by them, and they were going to get throttled when they played Trevor Lawrence in the ACC championship game, and they did, and they were just – they were fraudulent. They were not – but they're Notre Dame, and they were able to get away with things that other programs aren't able to get away with because their name is Notre Dame. Notre Dame that year got to be in the championship game because they were undefeated. They had won their games. But if you went back and looked, they were fraudulent. There wasn't. They were in no ways a threat to Alabama. It's nonsense. It's comical. Stop. The Manti Teo situation undoubtedly had to be distracting. Had to be, you know, wretched for him. But the idea that that's the reason why they they got their butts kicked in the national championship. They were always going to get their asses kicked by Alabama in the national championship game because they didn't belong there. So that part aside, but I get it. It's Notre Dame. They want to protect their image. They want to, you know, they're always going to say, well, you know, if he hadn't been going through this, stop, stop. The secondary question is what impact did it have on his life and his ability to focus on football and what type of player he might have ended up being? And I, I have no earthly idea. Yeah, I mean, like, would he have been a question. top five, top ten pick? Like, because what he fell to a second. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there were always going to be um, at least some questions, right? Like, he wasn't Ray Lewis. Of course, was not very big. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. you don't have to be very big in order to be a really good linebacker. But there will always be. Some questions. For example, Manti Teo is not all that different size-wise from Roquan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I, I, and and I guess maybe even at the position, you would argue that like he's not. I forgot that he's listed at two hundred forty pounds. Like, you could argue he was bigger. Man, I, I, you know, I take that back. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it is a fascinating question that can there can never be an answer to. If Manti Teo had never gone through that, I think to your point, Griffin, he definitely would have gone far earlier in the draft than he did. There's no. I remember being at the combine that year and just the thickness in the air when he got to the podium. I mean, it was, it was just brutal. I, I genuinely that was the only time because I remember I felt vitriol, and I also don't like Notre Dame to begin with, so like it's 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 a lot of that. Um, but I remember that was the first time that I that I even began to em- empathize. And to say, like, man, dude, I don't, even if this guy was in on it, I feel bad for how, like, he just wants to play football, and he can't. He can't just be a football player. This is who he is. He's defined by this now. A joke the other night that Jose Batista has a 1,000 career RBIs, and no one in this country remembers him for anything other than one thing, getting his face rearranged. That's the only thing anybody in this country remembers him for. In Canada, he's beloved, right? Like, in Canada, he's the guy that had 1,000 RBIs 
in this country, he did one thing, and one thing only. He got he punched Rugnet Odor's fist with his face. That's it. So, Mandateo clearly wanted to play football. Like, he wanted to be on with it and just in his face and having to deal with it and people asking, are you gay? Are you, like, it was the first time I was like, dude, even if he was in on this thing, like, even if, I, I don't feel, I wouldn't say at the moment I felt bad. I just, I didn't want to be in his shoes. I felt uncomfortable sitting in on that. Pre- I hated sitting in on that press conference. It was the the least pleasant thing I've ever felt. I was just like, dude, I I, I really wish there was another way to do this. Like, it's just a horrible way to be sitting up there having questions shouted. And he had done some interviews already to try to ease up on it, but there's no way of getting around it. He like he wanted to do it. He wanted to have the press conference so that maybe after that he could just move forward, right? Like now I've allowed everybody to ask. They're, they're, we're done with this. But the problem is you're Manti Teo now. Like you can never be done with it. Mm-hmm. There can never be a day. I, I it, it had to be awkward in the locker room, right? Like it had to be awkward where guys like want to bust on you and like have can we make fun of you for it? Like you know how that is with your friends. Like, you have a friend who did something stupid, said something stupid, whatever it was. You want to make fun of them for it forever, and and you you think you're doing it in a in a, a lighthearted way. Like, hey, dude, we're friends. You know, I love you. And because they didn't get catfished nationally, it's probably okay. Like, you somebody wore a hat one day and it was a dumb hat, and you're like, hey, dumb hat. Like, you, you just make fun of them for it forever. It's no big deal. For this guy, I can't even imagine. I just can't even imagine. Fascinating. Um, I'd watched the ESPN one that he decided not to be a part of, which ended up being more about how the story was reported, and they went on Deadspin. He kind of knew that there was an option to do this, so this was the one he was involved with. And obviously having uh, Naya involved with it was significant as well. Um, you know, I, I clearly... She's very complicated. Clearly, she was going through a lot of things in in her life. Naya was the person that did the catfishing. Who was, I believe, Rona Naya was the dead name. Was the name okay that they they went by as a male? Gotcha. Um, she now goes by Naya. She transitioned after this. Okay. She was not able to like. She came from a, a very religious family and not able to come out as being gay. Um, like so religious, they were active in the church. Like they, this, this person recorded like Christian songs. Was like that's what they did for a career. Was they were, like a Christian musician, Jeez. but was was a, you know closeted gay and as it turns out transgender. It, it's a fascinating story, but not to the point that it makes any of this okay. Right, like it doesn't justify how evil this was. It's a very difficult thing because you, again, empathize with it had to be difficult to be closeted gay in a football family. Like everyone, I think everybody knows Marcus Tuiasopa is a cousin who had been the quarterback for the Raiders and at Washington before that. Um, But their father was a football player. Uncle was like everybody, everybody in the family is a football player and deeply religious that's part of the Manti Teo story, right? Is that like, how did this happen? Well, because he was so guided and shielded and protected by a deeply religious family that like he never really experienced the real world and 
couldn't conceive of someone being deceptive and trying to get one over on him and was willing to believe like, oh, she has cancer. Oh, mm. you know, I, she, she can't, you know, she can't, I, I'm trying to FaceTime her, but her connection's not good or whatever it was. Like he was, he was so naive because of being so guarded and shielded in his upbringing that like he really was willing to believe all of these things. It, it's it's a crazy story. It's a crazy crazy story. It's certainly worth the watch. Um, I don't know that it it has changed my mind about anything involved in the story. Like I don't know that suddenly I find myself saying like, no, I'm really a anti Teo guy. I, he definitely was the victim. There is no question. He was definitely the victim, and I'm trying to be open to the idea that I can understand why. He was willing to go so far in his belief. It's still difficult for me. It's still tough for me. I feel bad. I, man, I guess I'm going to say, I do sympathize with the fact that he was the victim of a catfishing scheme. I do also think that a reasonable human should be able to, to sit, sit back at times. And I guess it's, damn it, I am going to talk myself into it. Because in the documentary, it shows him reaching out to other people. Hey, do you know this person? Like, oh yeah, I've talked to this person too. Because again, this person was Lene Kakua was trying to catfish other people like it wasn't just Manti Teo you know Naya had established online connections with others so like she would say oh I know your cousin I know your whatever and they'd be like oh yeah I've talked I I know Lene Kakua because she had reached out to them on internet on the internet as well it's crazy it's a crazy story I mean it's really one of the most unbelievable stories yeah I do I, I hope as sad as it is that, that he had to go through it publicly, I do hope that his experience of being catfished publicly maybe led to other people being more skeptical and more... As I've always said, I'm always in favor of skepticism. I'm always in favor of... Sometimes maybe I'm too cynical, but I think skepticism is healthy. I think everything needs to pass the sniff test. It's why when some things are reported, I say, no, I know that's not true because I have a brain. I think skepticism is is warranted. You have a conversation with someone. Hey, does this make sense? Like, is this real? I think it's a good question to ask, and I hope that more of that has come. So that's my. I don't know if it was a TV recommendation. That's why yeah, you said tubular. you said you should watch it. I do fine. think I yeah. do think it's worth the watch. The rest of Tubular will come up in a second. First of all, tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. And we're talking right now about the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, a uh, new Adley stat just dropped. Um, you know, that could be our new daily segment as well. He became the first player in Orioles franchise history to have at least 30 extra base hits and 30 walks in their first 70 uh, Major League Baseball games. That's remarkable. Yes, last player to do that was, uh, you want to take, take a stab? It's 2019. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Alvarez. Thank, okay, he was really good. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, really good. Yeah, so uh, yeah, good, good company. Good company to be in, no doubt. Good company. Uh, and, that will, and that takes me to the actual trivia. Uh, we talked about this guy yesterday uh, and how he's kind of having an underrated season. I mean, he, as in the fact that he doesn't get talked about, talked about a ton for the Orioles. Um, uh, so I wanted to find a stat that we could highlight him on. And Anthony Santander is second in Major League Baseball uh, in like year-to-year change in on-base percentage. He has upped his on-base percentage 55 points from 
286 in 2021. Okay. And it oh, is up to 341. Seems good. So I want to know how many uh, of the other top 10 guys that uh, in year-to-year on-base percentage you from, could name. Last year to this year? Yeah, last I year mean, to this year. So who? who? No idea. So number, number one, uh, yeah, too, number one way, is very tough. Way too random. This is way too random for me to have any. No, it's Anthony Santander-Stat. I, I understand, but it, this, the, 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 I don't even know where I would start. Think, I, uh, I mean, like, what guys with high it, there well, are right, guys but with how high would I know that they didn't have a good on base percentage last year? You know what I mean? Like, so good Juan Soto has points. a very high on base percentage, yes, but he would not be right. But I would assume that he had a high yet. on base percentage last year. That's the problem is like trying to remember specifically who didn't have a good on base. I percentage do, last I do year. understand the problem, um, uh, but they're, they're not all too surprising. I, I don't think. <laughs> you keep saying that they're all surprising to me because I couldn't imagine who they were. I bet you can. Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez is number four. How about that? Up to his average. Why wouldn't he have had a good on base percentage last year? It was what was he at? Last Why year? would that be the case? Three forty six. He's up to four hundred this Why? year. Why? Why? Seeing the ball better. I don't. Under, I don't understand anything. I understand nothing. Yeah. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is uh, no. He only has upped his percentage uh, twenty one points from last season. So oh. he's twenty six. What, <laughs> what a loser! What a loser! Don't, I don't a know. A guy who was uh, in my uh, swagger bet bet last night. Uh, Goldschmidt? Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. He's seventh. He's up this percentage. 47 points. Up sure to 412 this season. Good for Paul. One of his teammates also. Uh, who else is having a good year in St. Louis? I mean, a lot of guys are having a good year in St. Louis. Uh, Arenado? Yep, Nolan Arenado. He was only at 312 and 21 and up to up to 51 points, 363 this season. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. AL East, AL East guy is number one. Uh, let's see, a team. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because this guy is going to be this guy. I'm not sure how to how to get you to get him. <laughs> okay, he's on Tampa. I'll just I'll just tell you the team. You can guess the uh, guess the player. Low, not loud. Low, no. Thought maybe. Thought no, maybe that could get me there. If I just, <laughs> it's essentially the same name twice. It's just pronounced differently. Uh, Tampa, 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 Tampa. Kind of came out of nowhere. Definitely came out of nowhere. I kinda think he's on the IL right now, though. So that might. How would I remember who's on it. the IL for Tampa? <laughs> I Come don't. Oh man, you are asking way too much. Not Yandy Diaz. Um. Not a Rosarena. Not well, right? Those guys are good. Wander Franco. It is not Wander Franco. He he is on the IL, so that is a, that's hey, a, that's a look good at that! Guess. I, I, I I lucked into <laughs> being right about something technically. Uh, uh, hang on, okay. Uh, uh, Choi. Nope, not Chimon Choi. That's a good guess, though. Uh, 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 not Isaac Isaac Paredes. Nope, not him. Not Isaac Paredes. Uh, I don't know. The only other pretty much relevant Tampa Ray in their lineup. But I guess, but I mean, with right, Yandy Diaz. It is not Yandy Diaz. It is Harold R- Ramirez. I don't even up to three seventy seven on base. I this didn't season. remember that he was a significant Ray. Well, this he he has all been. Right. This, well, all right, we got. What's the rest guy. of the list? All right, uh, what's the rest of the list? All right, Andrew Benatendi is third. Okay, up fifty four points. Uh, Jeff McNeil also up there, okay. three sixty eight on base this season. Uh, Louisa Rise, uh, new bat up in Seattle. Uh, sure, one of the new bats in. Yeah, I believe you. No, I want you to guess who the new oh bat new bat in Seattle. Yeah, you should be able uh, to get this. The yeah. winker, the, the other one. <laughs> Uh, Suarez. There you go. Okay. Okay. Suarez, number ten, Gavin Lux, and then former Oriole number eleven, uh, Jose Iglesias. Ah, how about Upped his that? one base? Okay. Uh, Forty points. Okay. Up to three fifty. This is this a season. really specific. This is a very specific. Needed to give some Santander I, love. I, I, I mean, okay. 
Anyway, Santander is Thank top of the list. Thank you. Thank you Harry Ramirez that. might fall out of uh, you know qualified yeah, and then, players anyway. So and then there's then this is going to be the Santander. Then, then I'll be able to get all of them. <laughs> all right, here's what's coming up totally tubular wise. Yeah, I think so. Totally tubular is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, which is the place to be for UFC 278 on Saturday night. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now. Watch the fights for free. Bet and win money. Come out on top in the FanDuel Sportsbook Live Casino and Hotel. Orioles Blue Jays this afternoon, 3 o'clock. Austin Voth, Ross Stripling. Uh, if you happen to live in the San Diego or Miami markets, one, good for you. <laughs> Two, you could also watch it on MLB Network. Uh, Mass and Cubs Nationals at 1. Uh, MLB Network locally. Royals Twins at 1. Then Padres Marlins at 4. Diamondbacks Giants at 11. FS1 Dodgers Brewers at 8. Little League World Series on ESPN during the day. Then Phoenix Mercury. Oh, the WNBA playoffs get underway tonight. Phoenix Mercury, Las Vegas Aces, game 1 at 10 on ESPN. ESPN 2, New York Liberty, Chicago Sky, game 1 at 8. Uh, the New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC take on the Houston Dash. they got to clean that name up at some point. I, I, I'm I not trying to be critical. I like the, the, the NWSL. I'm all on board. But that is just way too much. Which, which one do you think? New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Oh, that like that's, that's all that's the same all, That's one team. So Gotham isn't separate. It's New Jersey. It's New Jersey slash New York. And then Gotham. Gotham FC. Yeah, they should just be Gotham. I mean, that'd just be, go with Gotham FC. That'd be sick. It, it works. I'd become a fan. Way too much. But I guess they play in New Jersey, so they feel like they need to get New Jersey. And it's too much. But no one. The Gotham's not a real place. I know. Houston Dash uh, at eight thirty. Uh, tennis Channel, uh, Western and Southern Open continues today. Of course, uh, unfortunately, Serena did not mm. last very long. Again, losing her first match. Again, this time against Emma Raducanu. Um, what it is. TBS, AEW Dynamite tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Very slow Wednesday night. MasterChef at 8 on Fox. Um, Keenan Thompson will be on Fallon, so he's always fun. Okay. Yeah, Keenan Thompson. Um, um, let's see. What else? We got bit, bit new episode of Big Brother on I've CBS. never watched the Keenan Thompson program. I, like, I, of course, watched Saturday Night Live. Yeah, years, yeah. But I've never watched the Keenan show. Oh, right. Keenan and seen. Kel. Or... No, no, no. Keenan and Kel was a great show once upon oh, okay. a time for children. A, there's a he Keenan? has a, a like a sitcom on NBC called like Keenan or something like that. Oh, I've never watched it. Huh. Um, new episode of Reservation Dogs on Hulu and uh, this new movie on Netflix that I don't think either you or I is going to like, but Connor Norby might like it. It's called Look Both Ways. Lily Reinhardt, which just followed Lily Reinhardt. Oh, this is a romantic comedy yes. is what you're yeah. saying. Got well, it. I don't think, I don't, know if, I don't even know if it's a comedy. It's no, just, just a, rom- just a, just a, just a romance. romance. <laughs> I understand. I understand. All right, thanks today to Evan Washburn. Thanks to Drew Forrester, Howard Griffith, Dante Trader. We'll get it all up in the Greatest Hits section of the <laughs> tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, anything tomorrow? Uh, at the moment, no. We may be going to Bowie. Okay. But then, we will before boy, the end of right. the week. All right, boy. We've got a lot going on. Big sell. Can't miss tomorrow's show. We're working on it. All right, uh, thanks, everybody, at Pressbox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including... Our friends at Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Visit Howard County, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.